Oh boy, oh boy. I've been watching too much Reservation Dogs, but you know, you know, I'm just super Are freaking you drunk? pumped. Are you yeah, drunk? Yeah, you know, you know, it is the weekend. Everybody's working for the weekend. Yes, they are. Oh, Thank you, lover boy. Yes, yes, but I'm super excited today because we got the one only Dominic Burgess coming on the yes. show to talk about Peacock's hit series, Dr. Death, based on a true story. And man, oh man, if you guys have seen this thing, you know it's kind of fucked up i mean yeah that guy like uh butchered his patients yeah and his best friend played by dominic that's like, the nice way to say yeah it. i just whoo yeah but uh it's a it's an awesome interview trust me guys you guys are gonna love this thing man hell yeah and i mean dominic is asked to do absolute gym hey i mean we're gonna talk about transformers a little bit we're gonna talk about <laughs> how he got started and all these different things you guys are gonna love this one but that is later on the show now let's get a little crazy What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. We're super excited. It's episode 171 yes. on Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. And man, oh man, is it going to be a good one. Yes, it is. I, got, got, I mean, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you guys know your host with the most, myself, JLo Fantastic, and the one and only Mal. What's up? Been doing it for four years, and we still, you guys know, we're I, a little crazy, so we jump on each other. I mean, you know, and I swear we're not drunk. No, we're not, not at all. We're not. No. We're like water. It's yeah, water. Exactly. It's not vodka. We promise. We promise. But man, Let me smell yours. Yeah, I, you never know. You never know. I'm a bourbon guy, though, so it's That's fine. True. It's true. Well, I'm a wine guy, so you know for a fact we're not drinking. Exactly. Like, exactly. But guys, it's going to be a fun ass industry news segment we're talking about scarlett johansson's lawsuit more news just came about it uh, out about it uh during the weekend so man yeah. oh man we're gonna stay on top of that you guys already know it's like the number one thing talked about in hollywood right now especially going against the big juggernaut disney and i mean mm-hmm. anthony mackie coming back for captain america four uh course yeah what the fuck if you were watching winter soldier you would have known that uh, so like that that really wasn't any big news but you know but i mean the eternals trailer dropped there's some other exciting things happening in hollywood and you guys know if you're listening to the show if it's going down in hollywood we are talking about yes it. but before we get this thing started be sure to head over to our website www.crazyantmedia.com where you can start rocking the latest and greatest crazy ant media gear you got shirts you got hats we got tumblers phone cases everything and anything underneath the sun for you and your family i got my new hat and shirt today got a new hat got a new shirt i mean quick like two days i ordered it two days ago it's here exactly already you guys are gonna see it i'll wear it on a a future show but yeah it's fantastic how quick and easy it is to get it exactly like i said head over to crazyantmedia.com to start checking out that merchandise yes but yeah let's get started let's Let's get started with the biggie oh we're talking about disney the walt disney company is demanding that scarlett johansson's suit over black widow be paid move to arbitration now let's explain what arbitration is mr law over here (laughs) arbitration is where you have somebody that's not a judge uh come in listen to both sides and and make a decision on who's right who's wrong and how to proceed with with what's going to happen um it's basically the same type environment 
as if, you know, somebody like was going to be presiding over it. It's just not in a courtroom. It's not a judge making the decision. So it's, it, it's, it's an arbitrator who both sides agree to. And this person has sole discretion as to who's right, who's wrong, and who's going to get awarded and mm. who's not. So, um, very interesting. And I mean, that filing came like midnight on Friday night, uh, evening in Los Angeles, uh, Superior Court. Yeah. And the company has also revealed that on August 10th, it initiated arbitration against her, Scarlett Johansson herself. The deal for Johansson's services came with Marvel, but not Disney. And she is alleging that Disney induced a substituary, Mar, uh, Marvel to breach the contract. While Johansson isn't directly suing Marvel, Disney's attorneys tell the court that the arbitration provision is contracted between Johansson's loan out and Marvel applies anyway. Yeah. So, I mean, it's basically like, oh, so you're suing Disney, so you're basically suing Marvel too. But it's kind of crazy right now, right? It, it is. And they're still, still trying to defend the release. They did some numbers, <laughs> you know, when they came out with this, hey, we're, we want it to go to arbitration and this is why. Uh, they're claiming that Black Widow was put on more than 9,000 screens mm. in the United States alone. That allegedly satisfies its obligation uh, for, the, for the film screen of being no less than 1,500 screens but again scarlet asserts that it was to be exclusive on screens exactly. not on disney plus that's what the contract said they go on to say that as of august 15th the uh, films grossed more than 367 million dollars worldwide and another 125 million dollars from the rentals on disney plus mm. guys that's over half a billion dollars. Exactly. Like, they're making money off of it. And now you can see, though, half a billion dollars. I can see why Scarlet's, you know, hey, I want my back end. Yeah, I, you exactly. Know. And I mean, 9,000 screens, that seems a pretty high number to me, to be honest with you. I mean, I know it was playing everywhere that first weekend, but after that first weekend, it kind of dialed down a right? little bit. Right, like, Not where are they lie. getting 9,000? Yeah, where are these numbers coming from? It's typically like 4,000 plus is like the maximum amount of screens, yeah, right? exactly. So, and remember when we first reported that she was suing Disney over this? That initial like email are the rumored about these emails. Where's the emails at? Well, and see, that's her lawyer's response because they filed that, like Logan said, just before midnight last night, right? Well, today, <laughs> and as if you're watching this, it's Saturday. Yes. Today, Scarlett Johansson's attorney, John Berlinski, responded to that, addressing Disney's request to move the Black Widow lawsuit to arbitration. In a statement, he said, quote, after initially responding to this litigation with a misogynistic attack against Scarlett Johansson, Disney is now predictably trying to hide its misconduct in a confidential arbitration. Why is Disney so afraid litigating this case in public? Because it knows that Marvel's promises to give Black Widow a typical theatrical release like its other films had everything to do with guaranteeing that Disney wouldn't cannibalize box office receipts mm. in order to boost Disney+. Plus. Yet... That's exactly what happened, and we look forward to presenting the overwhelming <laughs> evidence that proves it. Now, I forgot to mention that point. Arbitration is private. Yep. It is not public record like courts are, so anything that's revealed within there and anything that's decided in there is concealed and closed and not open to the public. Mm. So 
if there is some shady shit, that would really explain why Disney wants that instead of it being out in the open in court. Exactly. So, that makes complete sense, which is super sketchy. Like, I mean, I'm, we love Disney. We say it all the time. We said it last week. We said it the week before and the week before that. But man, oh man, like their marketing team, when they slandered her and their legal team doing this, like it's not looking good. No. I mean, we report on the good, the bad, and the ugly, and even though we love them, we're going to report on the ugly. So damn, man. <laughs> it's I, I, crazy. It's crazy, crazy. And so what do you do in the crazy, crazy? Well, the head of Marvel's like, hey, wasn't me that fucked all this me. shit up. I love Scarlet. Me. I'm good. I'm going to talk about Phase 4 and all the fucking awesome shit that Marvel's doing. Exactly. Probably a smart move, Feige. No, don't blame him. <laughs> don't blame him. By no surprise, Anthony Mackie will be officially suiting up in the Marvel Studios' upcoming Captain America 4 yeah. movie, which, I mean, if you're watching Falcon and the Winter Soldier, you would have, like, already known that uh co-written by the falcon and the winter soldier head writer malcolm spellman which, which is, is awesome that is very awesome no director is yet to be attached uh but no further casting is yet to be set either though with mackie officially involved several other characters from falcon and the winter soldier could come to play in this film first among them is the co-star sebastian stan aka bucky barnes I so mean- i mean that would only make sense why would he not yeah, like team like, back up with him? That I mean, that would be stupid. You do a whole series and then you don't team up yeah. with him again. And I mean, they really built their friendship in this show. So I mean, before they were kind of like assholes to each other, right? But they really built their friendship to in this show. Well, and you know who else is guaranteed to pop up in that movie? And I'm gonna just bet on it right now. The new Falcon. Mm. They introduced him as well in they the did. series, right? And why even have him in there if he wasn't planning on making it? If he's going to be Captain America, you got to have a new Falcon, and they've already introduced him, so I feel like he's a given for that. Yeah, movie. it's kind of just like step by step type thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, come on, I know. it's common sense. Uh, Marvel Studios also relieved the uh, relieved relieved they're relieved they're relieved uh, they wish they were relieved no they still got all that no, shit they're going tightened on. Up. <laughs> but marvel studios released a second and final trailer for chloe zhao's eternals hitting the big screen november 5th yes. now as we've told you the film follows an immortal alien race called the eternals who have secretly lived on earth for thousands of years and possess different sorts of superpowers uh the final trailer though in my opinion and a lot of people's opinion kind of presented a more serious tone um it did kind of shows the Eternals grappling with the prospect of emerging after all these centuries to help the humans. And when they do that, the first question they get is, well, where the fuck were you during the, the World War II? Yeah. Where the fuck were you during Thanos? All like, this, yeah. why didn't you interfere? And they said, well, basically, we were told not to unless it involved deviants. Mm. What are deviants? Yeah. Are the deviants coming now? Is that why they're like, uh, we don't know, but we're going to find out. It looks great, though. I'm super excited for it. Like we talked about multiple times on the show before, like this is the most risk Marvel has taken yet so far, oh, other yeah. than like Mar- our uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. But I'm super pumped for this. I mean, it's got a phenomenal cast. Hell I mean, yeah. two of my Game of Thrones guys are in there, so of course. And But <laughs> I mean, I'm excited. I'm really freaking pumped for this one. Uh, more than a lot of people, I think, because I feel like a 
lot of people are standoffish from it, to be honest with you, because they just don't know these characters well enough. And that's what Marvel does best. Exactly. Introduces you to characters. And, and Feige's got a little statement about that later on, too, that we're going to talk about. But exactly. that's what they do. Exactly. This next one's very exciting because we've been waiting for this one for a while. Dominic Thorne, who will star as the superhero Ironheart in her own Disney Plus yes. series, will make her Marvel Cinematic Universe debut in Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Mm. Now, that's going to be next year. Ironheart, a.k.a. Riri Williams, uh, was introduced in the Marvel Comics in 2016 as a 15-year-old MIT student who reverses engineers uh, as Iron Man's armor in order to create her own suit of armor. Black Panther Wakanda Forever will hit theaters on July 8th, 2022, and production will begin June 2021. Now, see, this leads to all kinds of questions that I'm very curious about, right? Because as you just said, her introduction in the comic books, she's an MIT student, 15. She, you know, reverse engineers his armor. Tony Stark finds out about it, brings her into Stark Industries, sees that she's like this badass prodigy, and basically gives her the blessing to, okay... You can use the armor you created. You're pretty badass. Let's call you Ironheart and go be a superhero. And even for a little while, she took on the Iron Man armor before she became Ironheart. My question is, though, why are they introducing her in, in Black Panther 2? Is Are they going to change the origin? Is, is Riri going to be Wakandan? Is she going to be somehow related to, you, you know, T'Challa and the gang? Or do, does she pop up on the radar of Wakanda and Siri goes looking for her. You you know I mean so I'm I'm really curious as to why they decided to make the Wakanda intro. I'm curious as well. I mean, what if Siri like saves her from something and then she's Riri's like, hey, I also got some badass shit. Oh, that's kind of like Iron Man stuff. So I mean, so many different possibilities. Definitely, the origin story is going to be tweaked a little bit. Oh yeah, as you, you know. can tell. I mean, with Tony being dead and a whole bunch of different scenarios. But super excited about this because Me this too. is a long-awaited character. So pumped up man and the news just keeps coming for marvel why because don't pay attention to lawsuits exactly marvel studios armor wars series at disney plus has tapped yasir lester to serve as head writer don Cheadle, as you guys know will star in the series reprising the role of james roadie Rhodes, aka war machine now this series is based on a marvel comic series of the same name and in that series Rhodes must face what happens when tony stark's tech falls into the wrong hands now why is this a match made in heaven because lester is also the writer and co-executive producer on the series black monday which he co-stars in with sheetle yes so they have a really good relationship i feel like they know each other really well so this is a, a perfect match if you're going to pick anybody to write the show pick somebody that knows sheetle exactly so. it, it only makes sense it only makes sense well marvel studios kevin feige the man the myth the legend himself has been talking a lot this week about the studio's current phase four slate and beyond when asked about his thoughts were on possibly a marvel dc crossover film feige said never say never what does that mean mm-hmm. oh man oh man there's a lot of stuff freaking happening oh uh, yeah he kind of chuckled with that and said well you know my typical response is never say never but he's heard all the rumors he heard james gunn say that he wants to do it you know he was teasing a harley quinn groot crossover you know and everything funny, and so yeah. um yeah i mean feige he he's not opposed to it. No. That, that's so that would be epic. Will it ever happen? Who knows? Because you got to get Warner Brothers to agree to it and Marvel to agree to it, and so. But the fact that Feige said never say never, it's like a good, good sign. Um, yeah, and so 
dealing with the, all the rumors that he's been hearing and that are out there, right? He also responded to the rumors of Secret Wars being the huge cinematic finish to Phase 4. He said, I've seen those rumors as well. Why is everybody talking about that now? That's what I want to know. Secret Wars is a great giant crossover, but there are a lot of great giant crossovers that we could adapt. It's the ongoing embarrassment of riches that Marvel Comics has, which really is, I think, unprecedented in the ongoing fictional narrative. Uh-huh. Um, Agreed. Like... <laughs> They have so many characters and so many huge storylines. They could literally pick any of them to be the big finale of Phase 4. So I don't disagree with them there. Exactly. So much going on. And I mean, the next big step, everybody's wondering, what about Fantastic Four? And I mean, did he give any updates? Yes, he did. (laughs) Uh, Feige again confirmed that we wouldn't see Marvel's first family anytime real soon, but when we do, the cast of the reboot, like the rest of the MCU, will be a combination of established actors and newcomers, which that's what we're very excited about because we've said a lot recently that we want Marvel to go back to bringing up newcomers that we haven't really seen before. So that's very exciting, and especially for Marvel's first family, like... I'm pumped. Oh, me too, man. And it, that also kind of hints to me that he knows who the cast is. Yeah, right. He's got him in mind. <laughs> right, right. I mean, I just feel like that was his jaded roundabout way to say, no, yeah, we know. We know who it's going to be, but you don't. Uh, just, hey, man, thanks. All right, so get this. This is the weird one now. Back to Scarlett Johansson, right? What's interesting about her ongoing lawsuit against Disney it doesn't appear to actually keep her from possibly working with Disney um, or the Mouse House, at least one of its subsidiaries, okay? Searchlight Pictures. So apparently, Johansson has joined the A-list cast of Wes Anderson's latest project, joining an ensemble cast that already includes Adrian Brody, Jason Schwartzman, Tilda Swinton, Rupert Friend, Bill Murray, Margot Robbie, and Tom Hanks. Now, plot details for the feature, which Anderson wrote and is directing, are being kept under wraps, and Johansson Johansson's character details were not revealed. The film is currently shooting in Spain and is expected to wrap in late September. We want to clarify this, though. IMDb listed Searchlight Pictures as the distributor of the film. That was quickly debunked. So it's a rumor out there that Searchlight is going to distribute. The, Searchlight's distributing his current film that's about to hit. So yeah. they just assume maybe that he they were going to do this new one, too. We can't confirm that, and it appears not to be true. But if it is true, that would be interesting because then Searchlight Pictures is owned by the Mouse House guys. Exactly, It's a subsidiary, which would mean it's not preventing them from hiring or, or dealing at least with Scarlett Johansson. So – I don't know. <laughs> I know, right? So much exciting things happening around that one. Such a phenomenal cast. I haven't seen a lot of Wes Anderson films, so I mean, I got to go back and watch some because I hear he's very stylish when he does. He has a specific set of skills, as they say. You remember that weird animated film about the dogs, like on that like like junk island type thing a few years back? I think so. I never saw it, but I remember. Yeah, it. well, Scarlett Johansson voiced one of the characters in that and okay. had previously worked with Wes. But yeah, that kind of a thing. He is is very stylized and i mean this is the first time he'll ever be working with tom hanks yeah right so that's kind of you know it's it, amazing it is really freaking cool uh emma stone who is another huge actress in hollywood has closed the deal to star in the sequel to 
Cruella, which we announced was happening last week. Yep. The actress received an upfront fee in the $8 million range uh, for the first Cruella, which marked a career high for an actress, according to sources, and scored a low eight-figure payday for the sequel. It is mm. unclear what the profit participation structure is for the sequel, but I mean, you know, a whole bunch of things are up in the air, but I feel like she should be getting paid more, not less. So Yeah, I, I, well, I mean, they gave her a upfront boost. I yeah, mean, from eight I million mean, to at least ten, because I mean if the if they're talking, you know, what did, what did they say? Uh eight figures. That's at least ten. So I don't know. But uh, yeah, what the curious thing, uh, obviously the back end points. Yeah. Right? Because how exactly. did they structure that? Now, so and trust us, Scarlett Johansson's paying attention. Oh yeah, because sure. and I'm sure Emma Stone was paying attention to the Scarlett Johansson thing because this is all intertwined, guys. Exactly. Oh, I don't even know. Hey, there's another sequel on the way though. Apparently, that nobody was aware of, but it's good news because of the success of this weekend's box office. Apparently, Free Guy is going to get a sequel. Ryan Reynolds revealed this week that Disney is wanting to push a sequel into development, and he announced it, of course. The way only Ryan Reynolds can do, of course, on Twitter. <laughs> like, um, he's so crazy. But that's good news. It made it. And then I guess, uh, uh Levy, the direct, it confirmed it that he, yeah, he's also says yes, that's happening. Disney is developing a sequel. So cool. Exactly, exactly. And I will say it first and foremost. I was wrong. I super, I got Superman and Lois. <laughs> I really freaking did. It was good, man. It was super good. So I'm excited about the sequel. I awesome. mean, like I said on Twitter, if you guys follow me. I had a dream about it, so I went to go make my own like decision, and I loved it. Yeah, it happened. Uh, yeah, I had a dream about Ryan Reynolds. Take that with what you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter Gallagher has been cast in the season 18 of Grey's Anatomy. Gallagher will play Dr. Alan Hamilton, who knew Meredith's mother back in the day. He is slated to meet Meredith, a.k.a. Ellen Pompeo, in season 18's premiere, which debuts on ABC uh, on September 30th. No doubt he is the tie-in on how they are going to bring her mom back. Yes, Mr. Eyebrows. Mr. Eyebrows himself. Yeah, I'm currently watching him, like, young him on The O.C., He's just a great actor. He is. This is really great news for Grey's fans. This is really bad news for Zoe's fans because it looks like indeed that any hope of a comeback for that is dead because he's moving on. So, uh, Well, I mean, he's dead. So how would that play into a factor well they they brought him back in the set in the in i mean that flashbacks he comes and visits and zoe sees him and so oh yeah always possibility yeah 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 you know i I don't think it would be a nail in the coffin but we'll see we'll see (laughs) okay all right uh jason alexander you know him you love him george from seinfeld uh apparently has been tapped to guest star in two season four episodes of the connors the eight-time emmy nominee will play pastor phil (laughs) oh Okay. I'm already going to love this, right? I mean, Jason Alexander as a pastor is going to be brilliant. He's an unconventional cleric with a rebel past who uses humor and unflinching honesty to spread the good word. The pastor will encounter Darlene and Becky at an AA meeting where he is a speaker of the night, finding that Becky is looking for him for spiritual guidance. Now, sources say the actor could spin the character off into his own series, Mm. but nothing's confirmed yet. The Connors will return for its fourth season on Wednesday, September 22nd on ABC at 9 p.m. That would be awesome if it gets a spinoff. Right, and I mean, with it being a spinoff, it's not an original character, so Roseanne would probably see none of that. 
Oh yeah, no. Like so, nope. like uh, what's her face? Darlene there would probably see all of it. So yeah. very interesting. <laughs> That's yes. very interesting. Uh, ABC is also rounding out its recurring cast for the second season of the popular drama series Big Sky. Yes, Jamie Ling Sliger. Uh, from The Sopranos is set in a key role with Madeline Kintz uh, from The Walking Dead World Beyond, Troy Johnson on from On My Block, uh, Lola Reed from Barkskins, and Jeremy Ray Taylor from It Films, TV Caprio yep. uh, from Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, and uh, Alturo Del Perotto for uh from camping are Damn. coming on there so that's a lot of awesome people right i love this show so i'm excited to see how they're going for season two apparently they reunite for a new case to go after i hope i didn't spoil anything for season one for anybody but sorry um so yeah i'm excited about yeah. it yeah so, uh chloe savini has joined the cast of the hulu limited series the girl from plainville she joins previously announced series stars l fanning and colton ryan in the series now, as you guys know, Fanning Stars is Michelle Carter, and it's inspired by the true story of her texting suicide case. Oof. Based on the Esquire article of the same name by Jesse Barron, the limited series is going to explore Carter's relationship with Conrad Coco Roy III, which is played by Ryan, and the events that led to his death and later her controversial conviction of involuntary manslaughter. Wow. Savini will, of course, star as Lynn Roy, Coco's mother. Um, If you guys aren't familiar with this, this is that one where the girl basically convinced the guy to kill himself kept telling him well just kill yourself just kill yourself and uh and he did they were like a boyfriend girlfriend and he was depressed and so yeah it's it's and she showed no emotion in court we were working at the news station then and like we watched the whole thing and it was fucking sickening yeah it was really twisted and sick and i mean this guy was like emotionally disturbed depressed didn't know what to do, and she just basically egged him on to kill yeah. himself and then tried to claim she wasn't responsible. What the fuck? It's going to be a deep show. Seriously, <laughs> man. Seriously. Everybody loves the murder porn. Uh, heading over to Fox. Uh, they are developing How to Be a Human, because none of us fucking know. No. Uh, a multi-camera comedy from writer Brenda Hershey from, Disadjoint- from Disjointed. The story revolves around Eve, a robot becoming a sinitant. Uh, who breaks free from her lab so she can learn how to be a human by living amongst them. Now, but when she tries to convince three housemates to live with them, she realizes it's not going to be so easy. This sounds like a comedy version with a female of Vision. Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. Like an android that becomes sentient, can feel human emotion, or learns how to become human. I'm just saying. Yeah. The original. Yeah. I don't know if that one will last. <laughs> I don't think so either, but hey. Uh, hey, jump into the bunny because it wasn't all Disney all week. Uh, apparently, Warner Media had some big news too, and this one is exciting. I'll talk about another match made in heaven, like we were talking about with uh, War Machine, um, with Don Cheadle and stuff. Um, Warner Brothers and DC Films are moving forward with a Black Canary movie at HBO Max with Journey Smollett starring, you know, reprising the role from uh, Birds of Prey. And get this Lovecraft country creator Misha green is going to be writing it while the plot details are unknown the film is a spin-off as i said of birds of prey which featured characters harley quinn the huntress and cassandra kane so will they pop up i would assume maybe sort of will we see the introduction of poison ivy mm. i don't know but lovecraft country they were obviously that's journey right? right so they know each other they're familiar with each other and they had both talked about if they ever had the opportunity to do a black canary movie and 
I guess Warner Brothers said okay. Right. <laughs> so I'm excited about that one. I am too. I am too. I mean, I really enjoyed her character in Birds of Prey, so we'll see how it goes, man. We'll yeah. see how it goes. Uh, Dagmara Demenskra. <laughs> how do you say that? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, you go with it. That's good. All right. From Succession, um, Don Harvey from The Deuce are set as season regulars in HBO's upcoming limited series, We Own This City. Yes. They previously announced cast uh, John Bernthal, Josh Charles, Jamie Hector, Rob Brown, McKinley Blincher III, Larry Mitchell, and Wamunsky Moscow. Uh, also cast as recurring guest star character roles, Delaney Williams, David Cornsett, uh, Ian Duff, Lucas Van Ingen, uh, Gabrielle Curtis, really, uh, yeah. Treat Williams, and Dominic Labadorzi. Uh, as we've told you, the six-hour limited series will chronicle the rise and fall of the Baltimore Police Department's gun task force. Um and the corruption and moral collapse that befell an American city in which the police's of drug prohibition and mass arrest were championed at the expense of actual police work. Yeah. Damn. You had me at John Bernthal and Josh Charles. Yeah. Like I could I wouldn't give a shit what the show was about. I'd be watching it yeah. just because of that. But yeah, that sounds pretty intense and hey, good for Gabrielle, right? She's not running for SAG president this time yeah, around. She so. was like, let's hop back in. <laughs> Needed, hot back in. needed something to do. Um, filming on HBO's The White House Plumbers resumed this week after it was suspended August 5th following an onset incident involving series director and executive producer David Mandel and a member of the prop department. Remember, we talked about this. It triggered an investigation. The probe has concluded, apparently, Mandel's outburst, which is believed to have led to the prop department walking off the set in protest, mm. was apparently captured on audio recording. In it, Mandel is heard using the the F-word and threatening the prop master that he will never work again. Mandel and the prop staff, including the prop master involved in the verbal altercation, are all back at work and remain on the show. Mm, that sounds interesting. Right. As a result of the investigation, HBO has put additional protocols in place for the remainder of the shoot, including an HR representative on set. Boy, it, it, we talked about that last week with Titans. It's like, what the fuck, people? Right. Just behave. <laughs> why, do, it, why do we have to have egos? I know. Why do we have to have egos? I just, you're living the dream. Why the fuck are you being anti? and pissy. I, yeah. just, I don't know. No reason, man. No reason. Uh, the untitled HBO series about the Los Angeles Lakers has added five members to its cast, uh, but it's also losing one. That's Bo right. Burnham is exiting the series. It is reported in March that Burnham has been cast as the role as Larry Bird, the legendary Celtics player. According to an individual with knowledge of the situation, Burnham is no longer involved with the projects due to his scheduling conflicts, which makes sense because we've been talking about this one for feels like two years. Oh yeah. Uh, Sean Patrick Small has uh, will play Bird instead. Additional castings include Ali Havisky uh, as Phil Knight, founder of Nike. Rachel Hilson as Cindy Day, the girlfriend of Magic Johnson. Newton Minage as Jim Jones, a veteran NBA forward. And John Young as Brad Holland, the only Lakered wholesome enough to be nicknamed <laughs> Pootsie. Potsy. Potsy. From Happy Days. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. He doesn't know Potsy, guys. He's young. It's I, fine. Yeah. It's fine. Um... <laughs> 
Bootsy. That's probably a good name, too, though. Right. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he had a lot of gas. We don't know. Wyatt Cenac is apparently expanding his relationship with Warner Brothers Animation and Cartoon Network Studios with an exclusive multi-year cross-studio overall deal. Now, you guys are used to hearing this, right? Under the pact, the Emmy-winning producer, writer, and performer will develop and produce original animated programming at both Warner Brothers Animation and Cartoon Network Studios for a variety of audiences, including preschool, kids, adult, and family co-viewing across all of Warner Media platforms, as well as external outlets and services. The deal also marks a return to the medium for Senek, who began his career in animation writing for four seasons on King of the Hill. Mm. So there you go. Yeah, very interesting, man. Very interesting. Now, one that's had a lot of conversation around it on Twitter, especially. I've been seeing a lot of people talk about it, whether it should happen, it shouldn't happen, if they're going to watch, if they're not going to watch. And that's The Pretty Little Liars' Original Sin. It's going to be a darker present-day iteration of the popular 2010-2017 series. They announced that two more cast members are coming on board. Ziaria from Two Distant Strangers and Malia Playas from Baskets are the latest to join the latest adaptation of this one. They joined previously announced series regulars Chandler Kenny, Bailey Madison, and Maya Rafiko. So, yeah, I'm still up in the air on this one. Mm. You know, I, I was late to the game on the original, but Emily got me to watch a couple episodes, and then I was hooked, so I went back and binge-watched and then caught up and finished it. And I loved it, so I'm a little, like, I don't know about this one. Yeah, it's know. weird, man, it's weird. I'll tell you what I do know, though. Oprah is the greatest human being ever. Ever. As if we didn't love Oprah enough, we're going to give her a huge shout out right now and at the end of the show. Why? Because apparently the only O that matters is going to save one of my favorite shows, and rightfully so. I'm so fucking excited about this. CBS's All Rise is apparently going to be resurrected by OWN. The That's right, the Oprah Winfrey Network. Yes. Apparently, it's in talks for a new season of the legal drama starring Simone Missick. Negotiations between the cable network and Warner Brothers TV, which is who produces All Rise, comes three months after the series, as you guys know, was tragically canceled by CBS. Yep. Now, options on the All Rise cast expired at the end of June, but in anticipation of the potential pickup, which could be for as many as 20 new episodes. Yes! I'm so excited. Uh, Warner Brothers TV has entered in negotiations with Missick and also approached other cast members, including Wilson Bethel, Jessica Camacho, and our buddy, our friend, our former guest, J. Alex Brinson. Sources close to the situation caution that conversations, while progressing, are complex and have not yet reached the final stage. It's going to. Oh, I love Oprah. Thank you, Oprah. Thank it's, you. This show needs to be seen. That story needs uh, to continue. Oprah. Oprah. <laughs> All hail the Oprah. Yes. Oh, man. I love her. Uh, <laughs> And over to the Viacom CBS, the I, as we say. Yes. Samantha Mathis and Henry Thomas have joined Paramount's upcoming film, Pet Cemetery. The duo joined previously announced cast members Jackson White, Forrest Goodluck, Matt McHorn, uh, Natalie Ern Lind, Isabel Star LeBlanc, and Pam Greer. The production uh, began last week, and the Lindsay Beard directed movie will debut exclusively on Paramount Plus, which is very interesting. So, I mean, again, so many damn reboots. This one literally just got a reboot like two years ago. Yeah. So, I understand it's a retelling with some different stuff, kind of, because it still sounds the fucking same, but whatever. Not my call. 
I'm going to agree with all yeah. of that. I think this one's unnecessary. Agree. <clears throat> Hank Azaria has joined the cast of Showtime series Super Pumped, which details the rise of Uber. Azaria is attached to play Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple. He joins previously announced cast members Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Kyle Chandler, and Carrie Bichet. Now, as you guys know, we talked about this. Gordon-Levitt will star as Uber CEO and co-founder Travis Kalanick, while Chandler will play Texas venture capitalist Bill Gurley. Bichet will star as Austin Geet, Uber employee number four. <laughs> Uber employee number four. <laughs> you know, what? just in case you needed to know. I don't yeah, know. <laughs> I mean, those first five were critical. That's like, right. Okay, okay. Uh, CBS will mark 50 years of The Price is Right with Damn. a two-hour halftime or two-hour primetime special next month set from 9 uh, to 11. Uh, Thursday, September 30th, the special will look back at the biggest winners, never before seen outtakes, and a salute to the one and only Bob Barker. Come on down! <laughs> More than uh, 68,000 contestants have played The Prices Right since its debut Damn. back in September of uh, 1972. The 2 million plus have been in its studio audience, the first prize ever offered on the show was a Chevy Vega worth $2,000 and $746. Uh, so, yeah, put that all together. It's $2,746. Uh, um, season 50 premieres Monday, September 13th. I just wanted to throw some quick math at you. I guess. I, like, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Like, you know, I, I don't even know how to respond to that i hope adam sandler's involved because i just want to you know i that's one of my favorite cinematic scenes ever is him and bob barker throwing down on fucking happy gilmore um i can't believe bob Bar 19 i was two yeah fucking two years old when the price is right debuted damn i know a long time ago um anytime you start to feel old just think about bob uh, yeah he's i'm a young chicken compared to that that's all i'm saying right there um god and talk about another thing that's unnecessary. I get it. They're going to just keep making them until people stop watching them. Ludacris um, said 10. Ludacris said 10. I'm hoping that he is correct. Yeah. We're jumping to Universal, of course, NBC Universal. And Universal Pictures has set a release date of April 7th, 2023 for Fast and Furious 10. Yeah. 10. They should have stopped when 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 Walker died. I'm they just should, saying. Really um, no casting confirmations or plot lines are known about the film, but there's a lot of speculation that Diesel, Jordan Brewster, Tyrese Gibson, Chris Bridges, Michelle Rodriguez, and Jason Statham are returning, but it's not set in stone yet. <laughs> Will they go to space? That's long been the rumor, right? It like, has. like it's gonna be they're gonna go to space, exactly. Because that's what we need. We need the Toretta family in space. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, I mean, this was this interview was like fucking three or four years ago when Ludacris said this. So hopefully the plan is still ten, and we can just like see them all drive off into the sunset. But, damn, Please, how many times seriously. can you tell the same story? It's and it's literally the same story every, every time. time. Really should have just stopped with Paul. It really should have. Agreed. Uh, man, oh man. Okay. Okay. The Good Place creator, Mike Shore, <laughs> is adapting an iconic Kevin Costner-led baseball movie, 
Field of Dreams as a scripted drama, which has been ordered straight to series at the Peacock. Um, Mike will write the series and executive produce alongside Lawrence Gordon, who produced the movie via his Gordon per- or Gordon Company, I should say. Uh, Peacock uh, says its Field of Dreams series will reimagine the movie's mixture of family, baseball, Iowa, and its magic made the feature so enduring and beloved. No, don't do it. Don't do it. Why? It's it's beloved. It is. And it's the enduring over time. Why do we need a series to Why? like <sighs> But but I will say, I will say, I was saying the same thing about Turner and Hooch. Turner and Hooch on Disney Plus is actually pretty good. But it's Disney. Right. So it's like But it's a continuation though. It is. Right? It's it is. like it's I don't I don't think this is a continuation. No, because well, I mean what are you gonna do? Just keep bringing people to the field? Exactly. <laughs> I mean exactly. like I don't I don't know. <sighs> Josh Dumel and uh he apparently he's gonna star opposite Renee Zellweger in the NBC limited series The Thing About Pam. Oh. Now the series is based on the twenty eleven murder of uh, Betsy Faria mm. that resulted in her husband Russ's conviction although he insisted he didn't kill her his conviction was later overturned the brutal crime set off a chain of events that would expose a diabolical scheme deeply involving Pan Hup and Dumel will play Joel Schwartz Russ's uh, oh Russ Faria's defense attorney mm. oh okay yeah right very interesting I mean you know you know like you said, people love murder porn. Yeah, they really do, man. They really do. NBC has set a fall premiere date for Home Sweet Home, a new series from Ava DuVernay's uh, described as a family social experiment. DuVernay's first unscripted series will bow at 8 p.m. Friday, October 15th. And it's also the Emmy winner and Oscar nominee's first series for NBC. Hmm. Each episode will follow two families from completely different walks of life as they accept the challenge to explore a world unlike their own. Cameras might look at the food a family has in its refrigerator, which the show is queued up on their DVR, whether their closets are on trend, and (laughs) at the end of the hour-long episode, the two families will reunite and share their experience. This is weird. So they basically go live in the other person's house and kind of like experience what their life is like, and then they get back together and talk about it? Bro, what's up with that special sock? Right, your bed. <laughs> like this is really weird. Like, uh, mm, what's that vibrating neck massage I underneath your pillow, mom? Like, don't, we don't mm, need. Like, yeah, I went too far. Okay, mm, next one. Next, mm, <laughs> whose houses have you been visiting, bro? Like, I mean, they were talking about what's on the DVR. I mean, you don't know. Oh my goodness. Hey, you know what? Sometimes revivals work. And sometimes they don't. I called this one. I didn't think this one was going to be. I loved the original show, but I didn't think this was going to work, and apparently it didn't. The updated Punky Brewster, which Peacock brought back as part of the streamer's first-year lineup, will not be renewed for more episodes. Peacock debuted all ten episodes of the new Punky Brewster, featuring original star Soli Moonfry, who also served as an executive producer on February 25th. So you know why March, April, May, June, July, August. So five months later, gone. Yeah, and I mean they even gave this one some breathing room for it to like gain an audience and everything. That's I mean they really tried. They had high hopes for this one, but we knew. Yeah, I just no, no. It's yeah, 
Oh, man. Heading over to Sony, and I'm, I know you're excited about this one. Uh, Mike Richards is out at Jeopardy. He was announced he was the permanent host. Two days later, he's out. Um, <laughs> just nine days after he was tapped to succeed the legendary uh, Alex Trebek as the face of the beloved quiz show, Richard, who was executive producer of Jeopardy, stepped down from the job after unflattering and downright ugly details surfaced about his past conduct and statements he made on an eight-year-old podcast series he will remain on the show's executive producer side and episodes uh that richard shot on thursday in his first and only day as jeopardy's host permanent host will run as scheduled to start off a new season on september 13th why are you keeping him as the executive producer that makes no sense yeah i mean i feel like sony's just trying to like hide their shit yeah sony knew sony like released a statement saying they had no idea about the past comments uh you know and they're just horrified by them and they understand his decision to step down bullshit you guys had to have known that he was involved in the whole price is right fiasco and lawsuit there's no way you didn't know who this guy is and then i'm not surprised by the comments they were some ugly shit talking about women calling one of the uh, models on the price is right a booth slut oh. apparently there were pictures of her and her friends who were a little overweight and he was calling them fat disgusting pigs um he was racist saying that he he really loved jeff probst because he proved that a white skinny guy could do pretty well as and gave him hope as a host and i'm just like what the fuck that was a lot like why are you keeping this guy just fucking ditch him find another executive producer and hire lavar burton that's who it should have been in the first place just saying just saying Oh, man. Now, this next one we're talking about under Mm -hmm. Sony because Sony is the company that produces this show. But it's also common ground for CBS where the show airs. What the fuck, CBS? Uh, The executive producer of The Young and the Restless allegedly made repeated advances towards an actress, commented on her body, offered her a private acting lesson, and then had her fired when she rebuffed him, according to a lawsuit filed by actress Brianna Thomas this week. Now, Thomas filed suit against Sony Pictures Television, which produces the long-running CBS soap, and CBS Studios. The complaint alleges that showrunner Anthony Tony Morina took an interest in Thomas when she appeared in the background role of a barista between 2018 and 2019. According to the complaint, he would often leer at her, get close to her, and compliment her looks, telling her she could really be something on the show. In one poolside scene, he allegedly tried to get her to remove her sarong so that he could see her in her bikini. Mm. Thomas alleges that Marina continued to harass her and make sexual advances through 2018 and 2019, and apparently on a another occasion marina allegedly cornered her in a stairwell asked her if she lived alone and asked again if she wanted private lessons she was more forceful in her rejection than she had previously been prompting marina to ask do you know what you're doing and then he fired her um some crazy shit right like Like, what what the the fuck fuck, man cbs has got so many fucking problems with these type things like I, I just I don't even know. Well, and my thing is like literally this the when the allegations take place, prime time Harvey Weinstein shit, prime time Me Too movement, prime time Times Up. 
what the fuck, bro? Like, yeah. this is obvious. He has a problem. Somebody yeah. needs to just kick him out of Hollywood altogether. Yeah, but you're right. Why would you even think that you could get away with that behavior at the height of the movement? Yeah. Like, it's just, that's brazen. That's fucking, I don't know what that is, but I hope she wins and uh, just, you know. I agree, man. I agree. Uh, Elena Bodine from I Am Elizabeth Smart is joining Nathalie Manuel uh, from Die Hard, Game of Thrones, and Garrett Hedlund from United States vs. Billie Holiday and Scream Jim's horror thriller The Bride. Mm. While the film is said to be inspired by Bram Stoker's Dracula, details of the plots are and the role of Elena are being kept under wraps at the moment, but we're super excited wait, about it, it. Wait, is it inspired by Dracula or the mummy? That's Why the is it under wraps? <laughs> it's all in the same universe. It's all in the same universe. That's right. That's right. All right, let's jump to MGM. Uh, apparently, they're following suit with everybody else and uh, just like saying, fuck the theaters. MGM's The Addams Family 2 will be made available for at-home rental in the U.S. and Canada on the same day it opens in theaters. The animated movie, which debuts Friday, October 1st, is a sequel to 2019's The Addams Family, which made more than $203 million at the box office. The film will be released in the U.S. via MGM's United Artists banner. So, mm. there you go. Very freaking interesting. A lot of man. people doing it. Exactly, exactly. I heard somebody last week, uh, it was actually Gary V. Uh, it was actually Gary V. He compared the television to radio back in the 50s, mm. basically. And now the iPhone is the new television because our smartphones are the new television. Because basically, if you think about it, television's getting pushed out and you can watch all of your streaming content on your phone. You can. So. It's a very interesting analogy and something that people should definitely look into. Yeah. Uh, MGM has acquired the film rights of the number one New York Times bestselling author's Lisa Tedo's novel Animal, which she oh. will adapt for the screen, uh, marking her feature writing debut. Plan B Entertainment will produce the film as part of its overall deal with MGM. The story follows a woman after gruesome suicide of her married lover flees new york city for the sweltering canyons of los angeles where she plots the takedown of the woman from her haunted past that's intense damn so she oh okay yeah uh, okay all right okay yeah. that sounds that does sound intense but plan b that's that's our boy brad Pit, like, so if he's involved, it's going to be good. Agreed. Uh, Jumping to Lionsgate. I'm excited about this one. This one sounds, like, awesome. Eminem has apparently joined the cast of BMF, Curtis Jackson's upcoming stars drama about the Black Mafia family, inspired, as we've told you before, by the true story of Demetrius Big Meech Flannery and Terry Southwest T. Flannery, who rose from the streets of Southwest Detroit in the late 80s to become one of the country's most influential crime families. So, I know what you're asking. And I'm going to tell you, who's Eminem playing? Well, apparently Eminem is going to make a guest star cameo as White Boy Rick, yes. the infamous Detroit teenager turned undercover FBI informant. I fucking love this. Right. That I, I loved the movie White Boy Rick, and I thought, I mean, I thought that was, but now you're telling me that Eminem is going to play him? I, I, I have long said, 
I thought Eminem should get back into acting. I agree. He was brilliant in Eight Mile, and I, why he didn't continue going there, I, I don't know, but I'm thrilled about this. Agreed, agreed, man. Uh, Stephanie Zhu from Marvelous Miss Maisel has joined the cast of the untitled comedy that Crazy Rich Asian scribe Adele Lim is directing for Lionsgate. Oh, cool. In her feature debut, she'll appear in the project alongside previously announced cast members Ashley Park and Sherry Cola. Yes. Very freaking interesting. Man. Yeah. Very interesting. I I love how everybody's making the movement and more Asian representation. We need that. I agree. And they're not little experiments. No. They're not. <laughs> Fucking chapping. Uh, Discovery. Oh, sorry, sorry. Discovery. Discovery has ordered two a two-part docuseries that will follow Jason Bateman, Sean Hayes, and Will Arnett as they go on tour for their hit podcast, Smartless. Now, the untitled series will release on Discovery Plus next year and include celebrity interviews from the tour as well as exclusive behind-the-scenes footage. Apparently, this podcast is, like, booming. It's, like, like awesome. And so to do a behind-the-scenes series about it, that, that should be interesting. Agreed, man. Agreed. Netflix. Uh, Mark Wahlberg is set to star opposite of Kevin Hart in the Netflix <laughs> comedy in Me Time. This will mark the first time the two A-list stars will work together. The film follows a stay-at-home dad who's going to be played by Hart who finds himself with some Me Time for the first time in years <laughs> while his wife and kids are away. He reconnects connects with his former best friend who's played by Wahlberg a for a wild weekend that nearly upends his life. Oh my goodness. This is going to be so freaking funny. I, I, it, I don't think Wahlberg gets enough credit for comedy. So this is going to be epic. Agreed. I mean, oh my god. <laughs> Just That's going to be an odd comedy. Uh, yeah, it is. I'm just saying. All right. Netflix's three-body problem has tapped Oscar-nominated Hong Kong director Derek Tsang from Better Days to helm the series adaptation of Liu Qing's sci-fi trilogy. The series hails from Game of Thrones alumni David Benoit and D.B. Weiss, who serve as showrunners and executive producers under their overall deal with Netflix. The dramatic series will apparently tell the story of what happens when humanity discovers that we're not alone in the universe. Mm. Dun Right? I think we found that out in Independence Day, right? No. Yeah. <laughs> seriously. Seriously. I'm just saying. Or the Eternals, whichever. Or the or. Eternals, or just, yeah, uh, yeah, you pick them. Oh, man. Netflix has set a cast for their adaptation of Annie Barrow's New York Times best-selling book, Ivy and Beans. Uh, Jesse Taylor, F- Tyler Ferguson, Jane Lynch, Sasha Patrice, uh, Nia Valderas, Valderas, uh, Garfield Wilson, Jace Doton, and Marcy T. House will join the previously announced cast members. Kelsey Blaylock as Ivy, Madison Skye as Valdum, uh, and as Bean, <laughs> and Lydia uh, Jewett as Nancy in the series of a one-hour family. Very interesting. I mean, it, it's an excellent cast, yeah. so it should be pretty funny. Uh, oh, Jack O'Connell and Matthew Duckett have joined Emma Corrin. I love Emma Corrin. She's playing, you know, Princess Diana, Lady Di on uh, the uh, crown right now. Um, ooh, in Lady Chatterley's Lover for Sony's 3000 Pictures and Netflix. This will be the first film to be produced under the new partnership where Sony Pictures will offer Netflix a first look at any films it intends to make for streaming. The deal was announced in April as part of the deal that allowed Sony to offer Netflix a first look at any films it intends to make. Um, uh, and Netflix has committed to making a number of those films over the course of the deal. So that's a good choice. Lady Chatterley's Lover with Emma Corrin, that's a good start. Agreed. I'm man. just saying. Agreed. And Netflix's hot freaking TV series right now, The Witcher, 
the showrunner, Lauren Schmidt, uh, Hirsch has signed a multi-year deal with Netflix. Under the deal, Schmidt Hirsch will write and produce scripted content for other creative projects for the streaming service. So only that makes only sense. makes sense. Yeah, let's lock her down. Oh, yeah. So. I mean, Netflix is good at that. Well, I mean, I guess all these streamers are. Once they have a successful relationship, they lock these people down. So, I mean, that makes yeah. – yeah. I don't know. Okay, jump into Amazon, and I'm going to bring back up the only O that matters once again because when I tell you these stories, you'll know why. IMDb. TV, Amazon's free streaming service, is apparently not proceeding with picking up new seasons of the canceled ABC drama series For Life and Rebel. The decision was made after the streamer evaluated the performance of the two shows' existing seasons on IMDb TV. So, Oprah, Oprah, I'm pleading you. Come on. If you're doing it for All Rise, Please do for it life. for life. Yeah. I mean, For Life is, is as relevant, as poignant, and as brilliantly done as All Rise, but... Both series, I think, would excel on own. Oprah? Yeah. Come on, baby. Save them both. Save them both. Agreed. Agreed. Fuck Rebel. But I Yeah, mean, I don't give a life. shit about Rebel. We've seen it. Been there, done that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, and after a competitive bidding war that received multiple offers, Gabrielle Union's I'll Have Another Productions has sold a queer teen comedy feature with a working title, to be honest, to Amazon Studios. Billy Porter is attached to direct. Uh, to be real, follows three queer friends who escape their hometown for a Pride weekend in New York City, where they discover that life over the rainbow is as insane, raunchy, often <laughs> divisive, but ultimately fierce and, and a nonstop party. Oh. Yeah. All right. You are very interested in that story. Yeah. Now, Peanut, 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 our dog, was very interested. He's a big fan of Gabrielle. Like, that's is. what it is, you know, and D-Wade. Yeah. He loves him. Loves him. Uh, you know who else we love? Sterling K. Sterling K. Brown and Randall Park have, oh my gosh, that's a great team up right there already. Sterling K. and Randall Park have teamed for an untitled action comedy set up at Amazon Studios. Brown and Park are attached to star in the project and will produce via their respective banners, Indian Meadows and Imminent Collision. Alex Say, the co-creator of the Hulu series Wu-Tang, an American saga, will write the script. The project is being described as in the vein of 48 Hours, the 1982 buddy cop movie starring Eddie Murphy and Nick Nolte. The story centers on two estranged childhood best friends to be played by Brown and Park, duh, who now find themselves on opposite sides of the law. Mm. Framed and on the run, the two must survive each other long enough to clear their names and stop the international criminal enterprise. Mm. I hope that this is just me, but to avoid stereotypes and all the ridiculousness, I hope Randall Park is the bad guy and Sterling K is the one after him. That's what I was going to say, you too. Know? I mean, Randall Park is like a cop in everything, basically. Yeah. So make think... him the bad guy. Exactly. We don't need to see Sterling as a bad guy. Make him a badass cop chasing Randall Park. That's all I'm saying. Exactly, exactly. And Amazon Studios and 3AD and um, Motoko Kumura are teaming up to develop a feature film, This Is Always, with Mina Shom writing and directing and Daniel De Kim and oh, okay. Talks to Star. The film, which is based on a successful Japanese TV ser- series, uh, Pure Soul from UTT or UTV, follows 240-something who feel perfectly content living their lives free of commitment until they meet one another. Uh, when a tragic foreseen incident turns their lives upside down and they can still <laughs> be perfect for each other. So, I mean, you know. I don't understand. Peanut, our, peanut. If y'all are watching the YouTube video, like, 
You're missing out if you're not. I'm what are just you saying. doing? You're being a monster. So you're crazy, crazy, man. Crazy. So crazy. It, it lives up to the show. He's crazy. Uh, let's jump to Apple. You want to jump to Apple, Peanut? Yes. What do you think? Yes. O.T. Fabinine, The Handmaid's Tale, is set for a recurring role in Apple TV's limited series, We Crashed, starring Jared Leto, Anne Hathaway, and America Ferreira. As we've told you on previous shows, We Crashed is about the greed-filled rise and inevitable fall of WeWork, one of the world's most valuable startups and the narcissists whose chaotic love <laughs> chaotic love <laughs> Q-Berry White uh, made it all possible Fabian will play Cameron Lautner a partner at a powerful investment firm who is tasked with trying to instill discipline at WeWork and prepare it for its upcoming IPO which brings him into conflict with the company's eccentric and headstrong CEO. Oh. That's right. He's trying to bring discipline. Stop all that chaotic love. Zick. Bring some discipline. <laughs> <laughs> Dynamite. <laughs> My goodness gracious. Uh, Betty Giplin uh, is joining Apple TV's new series, Roar, an anthology. Uh, she reunites with her former Glow co-star, Allison Brie, alongside Cynthia Evero, Merritt Weaver, and Nicole Kidman, who is executive producing the series. Gippin. Gilpin is among four row new cast additions, along with Mir Shal, Phil, uh, Fiva Stewart, and Kara Hayward. There you go. So, I mean, very exciting stuff, man. Apple is the underdog, in my opinion. I mean, they produce re- great, relevant content, but it's just not a lot. So, I mean, you got to watch for it. It's true. And seeing Cynthia Erivo's uh, uh, name there just made me think of something. I just saw a story that she – apparently they've already filmed it. I didn't, We didn't even hear about this. She did a remake of The Rose, Bette Midler's The Rose. Interesting. Like, first of all, I cannot wait to hear her version of The Rose, her yeah. sing it, because it's one of my favorite all-time songs ever. Bette Midler just slayed it. So I'm really curious. But I had no idea. And apparently when she got offered the role, she called Bette Midler mm. and said, mm. You okay with this? Right. Because I'm going to need your blessing before I do this. Exactly. <laughs> Which also sparked another story that I saw. Apparently now Barbara Streisand's going on like this hate tour of fucking A Star is Born. Mm. Just slamming Cooper and Lady Gaga saying it was the wrong decision. It should have never been made. She hated it. What the fuck? Like It was like two years ago. Why are yeah. you doing that now? Yeah, and when it first came out, she said she, she was good with it. She yeah. thought it was a really well done job. And like, she just, I don't know, trying to stay relevant. People, like, man, always absorbed in that negativity. But now it's time for some positivity <laughs> because this guy right here, Dominic, nice is just like all about the positivity. I got to say, even bringing on like such a crazy story to his life and trying to basically tell this man's story that is always trying to stay positive in Dr. Death. This guy, like, was able to keep his mental health good, was, like, thinking about the real-life people, and, like, he's just an amazing individual. He really is. I mean, to hear the story about how he prepared for the role and his approach to it and everything is so uh, different and unique and inspiring. I mean, it was real. And then, of course, we're crazy, so we got to go crazy, and we talk about all kinds of things. He's a trekker. He, he loves the Transformers. Like, all kinds of fun stuff, too. So Exactly, exactly. Well, here he is. Have a fun watch. 
Dominic Burgess. Welcome inside the crazy ant farm, man. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much. Funnily enough, I did a show called Ant Farm back in 2012. <laughs> oh, okay. The cockles of my heart. Oh, my goodness. Well, be warned, ours is crazy. So you got to watch out a little bit, you know, because okay, that, that's I'll be who ready. we are. <laughs> exactly. The E is next to it, man. So you can say fuck however many times you want. You can just say whatever you want. We love it. We love okay. it. That's right. That's right. And by the way, we love the British accent. I mean, you know, we always love it. It's just so cool. Um, <laughs> it's like, I made it myself. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. And so for everybody watching this, you guys, you know, uh, this is our first. Dominic, we just want to let you know, buddy, you know, four years doing this, you have the dubious distinction of being our first on-camera guest. So this is pretty it's awesome, man. <laughs> I mean, Dr. Death, how could we not, right? I mean, like, come on, we had to get you on here on camera. That's right. Because when we see you talk about it, we want to see you talk <laughs> Yeah, Woo, that's what it's all man. about, man. That's what it's all about. But we pride ourselves. This podcast is to help up and comers try to break into the entertainment industry. Yep. So we like bringing guests on to tell their story, tell how they got started. So let's start there. How did you get started in this thing? Was it something you always wanted to do, or just kind of jump into it? Uh, I mean, I guess uh, similar to probably a lot of people. I, I mean, I love film and I love television, and uh, you know, I was, I was raised on Transformers and Thundercats, and yeah. X-Files and Buffy and Star Trek and Twin Peaks. Um, and, and so I'd always loved storytelling. Uh-huh. Um, as a career, I don't think I took it seriously. I was doing high school drama in the first year I did cabaret and I was in the ensemble and we were singing a couple of songs and I was like, that was fun to pass some time. Right. And then the following year, um, a high school production of Death of a Salesman. Oh, um, <laughs> And uh, I, I played Biff Loman, and God, I would have probably been 15, 16 then. And it was it was a really uh, transformational moment where I was like, oh, man, I really I really enjoyed doing that because I'm um, I guess at, at school, you know, I studied and, I, you know, whatever. I wasn't very good at doing my homework <laughs> yeah. because home time was my time. Right. That's um, right. But, you know, I, I learned by doing. And so I was always, you know, in science classes i wanted to do the experiments and i in home ec i wanted to make stuff i wanted to make stuff and do things with my hands and so acting was you know uh storytelling and and reading but getting up to perform and yeah i fell in love with it and then i uh for a time i I wanted to do veterinary science and just out of interest i mean i was swinging more towards acting then i guess um (laughs) I, I I went down to London and auditioned for a couple of drama schools. Right. And um, one of them, the one that I ended up going to, uh, I got a, I got a full scholarship to for three years, which covered my tuition. Um, and and from that moment, I guess it was like, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that's <coughs> right. That's it. That's something that's I can start taking seriously. And, yeah, man. Yeah. I well, and that. I mean, you could have merged both. You could have done the whole Dr. Doolittle thing, right? <laughs> you know. I mean, you missed your calling. You missed your freaking calling. That's very exciting, though. That's very exciting because I am a fellow thespian. My f- most infamous role was Rolf in The Sound of Music. You know, I love saving people mm-hmm. from Nazis. Yes. Um, but Mine was Peter Pan. Yeah, You know, Peter the green Pan. tights. I mean, you know, what are you going to do, right? I mean, you know. But how do you make that transition? Because, I mean, obviously you're here to talk about Dr. Death. So how do you make that 
transition to from theater to film and television? Was it kind of difficult for you? I mean, you're used to performing to the back row, but now, like, what's that like being in front of the camera? Funny you say performing to the back row, um, because I know for myself, and it's still a note that I get to this day, um, after being a professional actor for for 17 years, Mm -hmm. is that uh, sometimes in my auditions or on set, I go big yeah. and uh a lot of the time my note is like you're at a 10 bring it, bring it to a six yeah um and i get that a lot and i i know it's my thing but sometimes you know it helps for playing those characters that are in prosthetics sure. or those larger than life characters and so you know it helps but I, the one of the reasons i chose my drama school um i, I went to a place called the academy of live and recorded arts mm. and it was actually one of the first drama schools that was bringing in a television curriculum into nice. um, the sort of the mainstream. A lot of the, the sort of traditional drama schools um, were just stage-based. Uh-huh. And so the, the drama school I went to had a television component and a radio component and a voiceover component. Oh, wow, wow. So I feel like it, it equipped me. It was more in line with what I wanted to do because I was, like I said, interested in X-Files and Buffy and, and you know yeah yeah yeah. to the you know my the the head teacher for that drama school for the first two years did not like that you know he he was very much you know you should be satisfied going and performing in a black box theater for five pounds a night and that should sustain the art should sustain you for your career Mm -hmm. um but it, you know, that's that's lovely, uh, but it doesn't it doesn't pay the bills. Exactly. No, I, no, you know, yeah, I, I love theater, and I I would love to do theater, but you've got to be able to live and sustain yourself. And, that's right. You know, yeah, it's it's a career. It's not a it's not a hobby. And yeah, I'm sounding really snobby. I'm so sorry. No, that's no, okay. it's absolutely. We hear that a lot, though. You know, yeah. and people have to realize because I feel like a lot of people who don't get over the hump and don't start seeing success treat it as a hobby and you have to understand mm-hmm. that it's not a hobby it's great if you want to have some fun with it and everything but if that's your oh career God, yeah, yeah it, it's a career and like you said you have to pay bills and you have to you have to make some money at it um and yeah. I, I don't know if a lot of people know but when you said you have to dial it back a little bit right you go big you're a rather large guy right you're like six five is that right I'm so six five yeah pounds. <laughs> So, so you, when you say dial it down, they mean everything, right? You're not just the booming voice, but like bring everything in a little bit, right? Yeah, because I'm, I'm, I'm very physical yeah. too. Um, you know, again, doing creature work or stuff on the magicians and and stuff. I because a character is the whole. It's the whole thing. It's it's physical. Right. It's vocal. It's it's emotion. It's a, it's the whole package. And so I like to to explore in those ways. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it, <laughs> You know, TV and especially film. Uh, and my one of my acting teachers tells me this all the time. She's like, "Be still, be still, 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 still." still, still. Yeah, that's fantastic. So, wow, it must have been really hard. Then let's just go ahead and transition right into Doctor Death. It must have yeah. been really hard for you, who's a big guy who likes to move, who likes to go over the top. At some point, spoiler alert, everybody, if you haven't seen it, I'm sorry, but to put you in a wheelchair. <laughs> right? yeah, yeah, you're it, a quad and you can't move at all. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it, it's tough because, you know, the, the first six episodes, Jerry is, uh, and I, I talked about this with, with Maggie and Patrick, he's big and he's a bullion and he's right. tactile and he's friendly and he is, he, he is larger than life. 
Uh, and then this thing happens to him. His, his friend operates on him and, and he becomes quadriplegic. Um, and so then, yeah, it is, it's a, it is a real acting exercise for me, oh, you know, yeah. to, to be there and to just, just have the power of the words and just my eyes to, to tell a story. So, you know, I, I think you learn, I think you learn something on every job you do. You, you pick up something or you learn something or it's a lesson moving forward going on to another set and you know i i get it stillness stillness is power and it's it's something that especially i think for for young actors when you might not have the lines and you feel like you have to be doing something mm. or you know it's it, it really is it's just sitting and listening and yeah. and reacting to what's being said instead of you know the what? Right, right. right. No, that, I've, done that. I've never done that. So <laughs> and that's very. No, now you get it. Now that you're doing video interviews, it translates. That's right. Exactly. That's right. We can see video. the motion. We can what? see it. And I mean, that's so funny that you say that because I binge watched like the first three episodes today. And I mean, when they introduce your character, you're very like, you know, hugging and wrestling and just all over mm-hmm. the place with the main character. So that makes sense. I bet it was kind of a challenge to dial that back a little bit and to just, yeah, you know. Yeah, it, 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 it was. But it, again, it was something that um, I, I discussed with, with Maggie and So, who directed the later episodes, uh-huh. um, was that I, I also wanted to have that visual transformation right, to, right. To, to show that he was maybe even, you know, a little bit too big in that first episode when he's younger and in the nineties and he's really all over the place right. in the backyard <laughs> party. Um, but I, I wanted to, to really show that this happened to someone who was yeah that guy um, and how much it, it, it impacted his life, yeah. A couple of questions for you as far as the preparation goes. And and for anybody, we dove right in. Dr. Death, if you guys aren't familiar with the story yet, this is a true story, which is terrifying in itself, of a doctor who basically butchered his patients. And, and the question was, was he doing it intentionally? Was he just a really bad doctor, just didn't get it kind of a thing? And we don't want to do too many spoilers out there for you, but it's a terrifying story. And your character, Jerry, is this man's like best friend, his confidant. And even through all the bad stuff, will not betray him, will not turn his back on him. Um, so a couple of preparation questions. Uh, one, did you did you study the real life, uh, you know, man himself? And, and, and did you have an opportunity? Because if I'm not mistaken, and correct me if I'm wrong, he died while it was going on, correct? Uh, while you guys did, were filming yeah. it. And um, um, so, yeah, did you did you actually get to meet him and, and talk about it or no? No, I didn't. Um, I auditioned and I listened to the the podcast. It's mm-hmm. it's on Wondering. You you if anyone ha- hasn't seen it or listened to it, um, I'd urge you to go and go and listen to that. Um, the first season of that podcast, he was very reticent to talk. A lot of patients came forward and they were they were right. talking about the experience, and Jerry did not. He still very much considered Chris a friend mm-hmm. and. He didn't want to get involved at all. And it wasn't until we'd been filming a couple of months. And I think in in November of last year, um, they did a follow-up episode that just focused on Jerry. And mm-hmm. he reached out uh, to to Laura, um, who did the podcast, and said, hey, I, I would like to talk. And he did that interview. But still, to that point, it's a very emotional interview. And he still said, given the chance, if Chris got out of jail that he would still like to sit down and pick up their friendship and be friends. And, 
I, I didn't feel like it was my place as an actor to reach out to someone and dig into pain and and misery that they might not have wanted to to talk right. about. It's you know, it feels like such a sensitive thing. If he if he was you know doing interviews saying like, oh man, this man wrecked my life and I want to get the word out and right. I want to make sure that as many people know about this and I'm really advocating for patient safety. I think that would have been a different thing, but because he still loved and cherished Chris to the end, I, I didn't want to, uh, I didn't want to, you know, step into that and emotionally yeah. be like, Hey, I'm an actor. I'm going <laughs> right. to play you. Can you that tell makes me? So, I mean, it, it, total sense. And, and even more so than, your performance because your I think that I connected immediately just because you were so believable even in that courtroom scene where where Jerry is there and he just will not accept the fact that this man could have done this to him intentionally that this couldn't have possibly mm-hmm. been that's his friend and you portrayed that so well you know the 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 reserved anger clearly angry right but but would not bend on that and you now hearing that you didn't even have the opportunity to talk to the man or 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 choose to you just brought that you, that's incredible that is absolutely incredible i think i think my my entry point for for jerry you know i i listened to what sections of the podcast he was audible on. And then I, I tracked him down on Twitter and I would, would watch his videos. And, you know, right up until the end, he was still, he was still a larger than life personality and he loved sports and he loved his dog Stella and he loved his care team. And he, everything he did felt like it came from a place of loyalty and love. And Mm -hmm. so that, that was really my entry point Mm. for him. Um, And I I mentioned to to Patrick and and Maggie and Jen and so that um, I I never wanted him to be the butt of the joke, even though, you know, he, he, he wasn't fully aware of what was going on. And, and yes, he, he might've been used storytelling wise for lighter beats and moments. I, I never wanted him to, be portrayed as as dumb or stupid or or you know because he wasn't in the operating room he wasn't aware firsthand of what chris was doing and right. and from jerry's point of view you know chris was like hey i'm making lots of money come live with me right you come live with me for free drive me around i'll pay for your food we'll go to parties we'll do drugs we'll do all this stuff and so for jerry chris was like this this giving yeah. friendly guy who was giving him everything that he could possibly want so it it's tough it's really tough yeah i mean something that i feel like everybody can take away from your character in particular that even though like a crazy situation happened like this especially with someone he cared so deeply about and it could it's a very negative thing and it's a very something that like changed the rest of his life mm-hmm. he was still keeping that positive attitude and you portrayed that perfectly and just to show how much he still cared about everybody else around him and care about life itself in general i think is a huge kudos to you to like tell his story and to have his story live on yeah and I love that you said that he he was very caring because he did care about Chris because he was even like, don't fuck up this marriage. Don't fuck up this relationship. Exactly. He was genuinely concerned about trying to keep things good for his friend, which is just like crazy. I, I, it's just it's just amazing to me. Second part of my <laughs> preparation question. Yeah. How did you prepare for the wheelchair? Did did you as far as the quadriplegic, were you able to to go to so 
you know some people and, and talk to some people that were in that position or how did that happen? No, again, uh, that that feels something that's a, a little egregious to um, to me to to sort of open up someone's pain or, or trauma for 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 the expense of uh, me being an actor. Right. Um, I I asked on set if I could practice with the wheelchair beforehand a few days mm-hmm. before we got in there so that we could adjust things and I could get used to the sort of the joystick under the chin. Um, and, you know, there, there's a learning curve involved. Sure. With that, but um, and I I made it very clear to to production and, and the directors and and behind the scenes stuff that I I absolutely did not want any behind the scenes footage or any photographs of me out of character in the chat. Nothing that would nothing that would make the process look like fun or that it, it was making fun of anyone in that situational light, making light of that situation. Um, so when it came to the hospital scenes and and the scenes that that did take place in the wheelchair, I I, I really tried to maintain like, hey, this is something that someone has gone through, and uh, trying to treat it with the the dignity that, that those people that have been through that uh, deserve. You're a first class guy. Bro. Oof, yeah. I, mean, I, I just uh, just the fact that you, you that that you 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 did everything that you could to prepare for these things with with taking into account other people's feelings and what they've been through in life and not wanting to say, hey, I'm an actor, I'm going to dig deep in and bring all this. That that says a lot about who you are as an individual. I, I mean, just very much so. I mean, that's an amazing. Thanks. It's it, it's a very different uh, process. You, you know, I, I played uh, another real life guy, um, Victor Buono, um, in a show called Feud, and and he was an mm-hmm. actor and um, from Batman, and um, you know, really big in the the sixties and yeah. seventies, and, and that was a very different process because right. you know he was there were resources available to look how he he moved and interviews available on talk shows. Right, and right. in that situation, I was able, his family reached out to me. His nephew reached out and was like, Hey, we got these photos that you can look at. we got these stories. Yeah. Like he lived down the road from you in Encino. And so that was, you know, a very outside in process. And Jerry, I think was uh, a sort of very insular journey. Sure. Sure. I mean, that makes like you said, like you were saying earlier, you know, it's different if the family or the or the real life person reaches out and says, hey, this is fine. Take a look at this and yeah. go. That's a whole different. But, um, OK, phenomenal cast that that, that you're involved yeah. in. Right. I mean, Joshua Jackson, it, was he as creepy? <laughs> like, he was just playing creepy. I'm thinking, you know, this mighty duck. I mean, like he is creepy as fuck. He right reminded here. me like, like a Norman Bates type. Yeah. Character. Man. I was like, wow. Was just like <laughs> what is going on? And then, of course, Alec Baldwin and Christian Slater who have been known in the past to play some creepy characters yeah. <laughs> this time the good guys i mean i'm just like what is going on how was that what, what was that like on set so good you know i didn't get a chance to work with with alec and christian just because of the the structure of the show right, they are right. sort of in um the present day timeline yep. and um jerry is sort of in the flashbacks leading up into the present that's right um but oh man i there was one day where i really wanted to try and track down christian slater where he was filming in the morning on a different set and i was coming in afterwards and i was like i just want to ask christian about his experience on star trek six <laughs> <laughs> but he'd already gone by the time ah. he got out of hair and makeup he'd gone i was like i love um, it you're a total trekker i love it <laughs> oh man so much uh but yeah josh is so nice and he's so lovely um 
and also a Transformers fan. He might not let he might not like that I'm saying <laughs> that. Uh, but the, there were days, you know, when I was first getting to know him. Uh, I don't know how we got talking about Transformers, and then like I would pull up on my phone and be like, "Look at my Transformers," <laughs> and he'd be like, "Oh man, oh shit, that's uh, but awesome." No, like, he's he's a really really nice guy, um, and a testament to him for you know when he's he's in that zone and he's oh yeah laser focused and again similar situation. I don't think I, I know that Anna Sophia Rob and um christian and alec were able to speak to their real life counterparts Mm -hmm. and um josh did not um either you know obviously uh again not wanting to sensationalize someone who'd done such such horrible things and um so yeah but he's he's so nice and so warm on set and um you know when you're you're number one on the call sheets it's so nice and warm it it trickles down Mm -hmm. into the rest of the production and it makes it makes a job really enjoyable. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's great to hear. And I mean, with this show having like such a dark premise and such a dark like tone to it the whole entire time, something that we're talking about a lot this year is mental health. How did that affect your mental health and how were you able to stay positive in day-to-day life? Oh boy, that's a big question. Um, <laughs> you know, it was... It, it was a little bit of an odd experience. Uh, I'm based in Los Angeles and the show shot over in New York. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, it was a little bit of uh, an, an insular experience because I just, I found a little Airbnb in, in Midtown and New York was shut down. Broadway was dark. Right. Um, I didn't want to be the person that was responsible for shutting down a production. So I was avoiding subways. I was avoiding <laughs> oh, wow, yeah. indoor places. I would I would go out for walks, um, especially on the weekends. I would take long walks around Central Park and I would go out early when the streets were empty and that was really lovely. Uh-huh. Um, but something that I did do for the very first time um, <laughs> that I've subsequently let slip again since I moved back to Los Angeles um, was I got a personal trainer for the first time. Okay. Um, and I would I would work out one-on-one with this trainer in a private gym three times a week. And I'd never done that before. And I found that so helpful because I, right. I wasn't seeing anyone else. And, and on set, it was a kind of a weird experience because everyone is in masks and shields. And, right. and normally, you know, you would sit in video or I would sit in Video Village and, and watch and absorb and ask questions and be like, oh, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? Right. What are you right. Doing? Oh, that's interesting. That's funny. Um, and so there was none of that this time. Mm. Um, and I do, now that I'm back in LA, I started off big and I bought a whole bunch of weights and I was like, I'm going to carry on. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, you, your schedule gets thrown off and then you right. go and film somewhere else. And um, I let it slide and I keep promising myself that I'd get back into it. And I think I might try and get a, a trainer again because I'm just, I'm, I, I, I wish I had the mentality that I have about acting when it comes to like exercise fitness and like that. Yeah. I, I mean, we're, we're going off on a whole tangent. No, now, you're fine. As a, as a, and a side note, um, you know, I've, I've lost weight before you know through trying to be like hey i'm gonna lose weight i'm gonna be healthy and shifting 30 40 pounds and then i stopped booking auditions oh because i've I've knocked myself out of 
my casting category mm. and I'm no longer the big schlubby friend guy or I'm no longer that, but I'm no longer, I'm not the lanky, skinny, tall right. guy. Right. I'm, I'm in this in-between space that then some productions don't know what to do with and they're like, ah, well, he's not big enough to be the, the big guy, but he's not, yeah, he's not the gangly, weird guy. Ah, Okay, no, 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 no. Yeah. Um, and so, the, and then the weight comes back on, and then you start booking work again, and it feels like uh, it's a double-edged sword. Um, it really is. But I'm glad you brought that up, though, because these are things that actors need to know, especially up-and-coming actors. That I mean, sometimes you get typecast as a certain type of character, mm-hmm. and they're looking for a certain thing from you, even when you don't necessarily want to provide that, and especially when you're trying yeah. to get better in shape and better in health. And yeah, that's very interesting. I'm glad you brought that up because we don't talk about that a lot. So that's I'm true. glad you brought that up. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, when I started working out with this, this personal trainer, my, my brief to him, um, shout out to Alex Walk. In <laughs> um, shout out. He, um, my brief to him was like, Hey, I want to, I want to be healthier and I want to do cardio and I want to be able to do this stuff. Right. But I don't want to lose my frame. I want to sort of right. build muscle as I'm losing fat. So I keep my size and my frame, but also be healthier. And so that was what we were working on. And, and it was going really well. I'm so angry at myself that I, I let it slide. Um, but yeah, to, to, to bring it back to the the way I knock on wood have been very fortunate enough not to have been typecast. Um, That's good. Everything I do, thankfully, is is um, different enough physically or vocally or uh, genre or tone that I don't feel like I've been typecast. But now I am in a position, thankfully, and I'm, I know that I'm, I'm speaking from a, a place of, um, you know, thank, thank goodness I'm, I'm in this position um, where I can turn down the roles that are like, it's right. fat Greg. Yeah. Or it's big Charles. And <laughs> roles that are the, the butt of the joke or right. roles that are just um, making fun of someone's size or that that's all there is to the character or you read a script and it's like Dan sits on the platform working his way through a Big Mac and fries. Right. Right. No one could love him because he's so big. Um, that's a horrible. Story, <laughs> um, I love how you slip into the accents while you're doing it. That's fantastic. I, like I, Next time I'll do a British check. No one could love <laughs> Fat Charles. Um, but you know, it's it's... I've even at the size I am, and I'm, I'm a big guy. Going into audition rooms, I've been too big for some roles. I've been too small for some roles. I've gone into some rooms and been like, "Oh man, everyone in this room is above six foot seven, and they're like four hundred pounds, and they're looking for like, oh, they're looking for a pro wrestler, and that's yeah. not me." <laughs> oh wow, yeah. <laughs> okay, um, I've been too tall for jobs. I've been too short for jobs. I, you know, like you, like you were saying that sometimes to the detriment of the industry that there are stereotypes and hi, this is Frodo Baggins. Um, <laughs> oh, I love it. There, you know, a lot of it is physical. Um, and there's so many things that are out of, out of your hand. Right. Yeah. You know, that you could audition for something and the production could be putting together a family and, and say like, well, everyone else in the family has brown hair. So it looks weird that this guy's there and he's six foot five and he's right. got blonde hair. So, mm. I did. I went back into America. <laughs> no, you're fine. <laughs> Next time. 
I just want to be in a room where I'm 6'5 and told I'm too small. Coming from a 5'7 guy, I'm like, wow, 6'5 and you're too small. That uh-huh. must be tough. <laughs> it's, it's you know, I, I remember, and it doesn't always happen this way. Sometimes you go into to casting rooms and it's completely the unexpected. I, I went in when I auditioned for The Flash with, and the casting director was David Rappaport. Um, yeah. I, I went in and I got the script and I was like, it, it's CW and... Again, to my detriment, my my head goes to well. They're going to be looking for chiseled jaw. That their version of right. schlubby is still chiseled jaw, right. quarterback, <laughs> handsome. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, and I walked into the the waiting room for that role on the Flash, and you know everyone there was like model, handsome. Um, and I was like, well, you know, I'm going to swear. I was like, <laughs> yes. fuck it, I'm gonna. I'm just going to do what I want to do and I'm going to have fun. And then I ended up booking and it was like, Oh, well, that's a pleasant surprise because I wasn't expecting. Yeah. I wasn't expecting that outcome. And I, sometimes I think when you go into an audition and you say, Hey, you know what? I'm just, I'm just going to do it. And right. have fun is, is when good stuff happens, I guess. Exactly. Exactly. You got to keep that open mind and that positive energy, because I feel like the casting directors and the producers and everybody who's in the room, when you go in for that audition process, they can see how you carry yourself. They can see if you're confident or not, or if you're scared or, you know, all mm-hmm. these different things. So that's really good to hear. I mean, especially if you're just there especially, to have a good time. Yeah. Especially nerves. And I found this, very much when I was working in England. I graduated from drama school in 2004 mm-hmm. and was in London until the end of 2007. And I was, I would have been very lucky if I had an audition maybe once every three or four months. Oh, wow. And and so when auditions did come around, you place so much pressure on yourself. Right, and yeah. it becomes like, oh my God, I've got to book this one. I've got to book this I one because it. I'm not yeah. going to have another audition for another three or four months. And, and, and you squeeze the life out of the audition. And and because you're early in, in your career at that point, the auditions that you're getting might be like three or four lines. And yeah, exactly. like you're saying, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, do I say either or either? Oh my gosh. <laughs> right. They're not going to hire me if I don't get that word right. What am I, ah? and, and you second guess yourself so much and you tank the audition and you freeze and yeah and then I moved to America and I I met I met more casting directors in three weeks than I had done in three years of of being in London and it was like oh this is this is what it's supposed to be like (laughs) pressure that's right you know lifts and and then you you let that go and you you can start having fun in auditions or, or I found myself having fun in auditions more there you go that's what it's all about it's all about having fun because at the end of the day you're supposed to enjoy what you're doing right (laughs) i mean we're not supposed to put so much stress on ourselves (laughs) and something else that's new and fun that we've been bringing to the podcast is have hi yeah we got our dog in the middle of us right now Yeah, peanuts down here he hasn't jumped up yet but don't do it don't do it yeah but something else new that we like to bring to the podcast is uh have our guests tell an embarrassing story story that they survived through while either on set and or on stage that they can laugh about now an embarrassing story (laughs) i mean i have one and i've spoken about this uh i've spoken about this before on other shows and, and podcasts um so I'll give you a brief rundown of this one and try and think if, if I can give you a new one. <laughs> All right. Nice. Uh, All right. On that one. We'll get an exclusive um, I, embarrassing moment. Yeah, gosh. I'm going to split my brain in two and tell a story while I'm thinking about another one. Um, 
I I was a big Sunny in Philadelphia fan before I did oh, Sunny yeah. in Philadelphia. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I was like religiously would watch and rewatch and um and then I got booked on Sunny in Philadelphia or Psycho Pete. And, you know, I was beside myself like, oh my god, I'm gonna Psycho Pete. They've talked about this character and it's gonna be this great thing. And um, you know, it was still pretty early. I mean I think I think it was the first time that I had a, a substantial enough role on a show that I loved. Yeah, that I was I was giddy with excitement, and so when I got onto set, I just I stopped behaving like a regular human. Oh shit! Because I because I wanted to make such a good impression. Right. I wanted right. like I wanted to ask questions and be curious, and, and I was an idiot, and I would just ask. I would just ask questions to things that I already knew the answer to for the sake of making conversation. Right. Mm. But the most ridiculous, the most ridiculous questions. <laughs> and it's, I look back and I'm all, I'm so embarrassed that I would be there and be like, wait, hold on. You guys write this show too? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Uh, and I just didn't, I just didn't function like a normal human being. And I've seen, I've seen Charlie and I've seen Rob and I've seen Caitlin since. And I've been like, oh my God, <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I just cared so much. I wanted you to know that I cared right. so much and I was interested, you know. That is hilarious. Um, do you have any other embarrassing stories? Or just like one of your favorite memorable moments on set and or on stage. I mean, how is how does it feel for a Trekker to be in the Trek universe? Oh I my mean. gosh. <laughs> That had to be a moment, I was right? Very, I was so good on on the Star Trek set because <laughs> the, I was so worried that it would become another Sunny in Philadelphia <laughs> experience. That it would be like, that's right. Um, and I was very, very, very composed. <laughs> um, but it was a it was such a wonderful experience. It was so good. I'll tell you a funny story. It's not really embarrassing because nothing <laughs> nothing bad happened. Um, but when I did the magicians, uh, and I'm in prosthetic makeup and I'm in hooves and like, they glue the ram legs to my stomach. Oh, And so it takes so long to get them in. And so then you're, um, you know, you have prosthetic fingernails on and they like, you can't put too much pressure or they rip. And so like, you know, you're sitting down in between takes like, like this and people are touching up the makeup. And I learned very quickly on that set that when you're in prosthetic makeup and stuff like that, not to eat or drink a lot of stuff um, <laughs> on those days. Um, yeah. Because at like 18, 19 hour day, you're, you're in makeup for six hours to get it in. Right. And then you're filming for another 10 to 12 hours. Yeah. And then it's another two hours to get it all off. Um, so yeah, I, I really learned to pace myself with my liquid intake on that show. <laughs> I see. Make Smart. that what you will. Also right. knowledge for up-and-comers. Exactly. Be yeah. prepared. That's right. Be prepared to sit in the chair, man. That's so freaking great. Well, listen, yeah. man. This has been absolutely a pleasure to have you on the show. Again, thank you so much for doing the Zoom thing with us because yeah. I mean, that was yeah, a whole new experience for us. But like I said at the beginning, this is a show for up-and-comers trying to break into it. And they're all like sorts of everywhere. You know how it is. Um, so what piece of advice? would you leave the up-and-comers trying to break into it and what pitfalls would you say to try to avoid oh my gosh oh my gosh it's such a big question i know um <laughs> it's it is you know there are so many things oh gosh i've got to go through like the rolodex of of things um just know that it's your journey your journey is going to be so different to everyone else's mm. journey you yeah. could put 
you could put 20 actors in the same type and category uh-huh. as you, you know, you could put 20 actors like me, six foot five, 300 pounds in the same room, give them the same auditions and the same opportunities. And everyone is going to have a radically different journey. Yeah. And once you start saying, well, why is that guy got that job? And why is it? You'll drive yourself insane and you you know you'll start to meet the same people i was talking to max adler who's in my category um chris reed charlie coons all these actors that you see from room to room right right and you know you become friends and you don't get something you'll be like uh, i bet charlie got that one <laughs> i bet max got that yeah that's that's network tv max will get that one um what, whatever it is um and yeah, to I guess to think of it like a, uh, it's it's you know a trope I'm sure, uh, but it, it is a marathon and it's not a race. And I I've been doing this for for seventeen, coming up on eighteen years now. Um, and just yeah, that's, a fair <laughs> that's it. Um, no. <laughs> but you know, um, and also oh, I thought of something and then I I just lost it as I lost my train of thought. <laughs> Maybe it'll swing back around. Um, well, you did split your brain into two different ways, right? So I split you're, my yeah. brain into two. Um, <laughs> yeah. To, to do what you, again, to do what you love, if you don't feel like doing something, you don't have to do it. Mm. I feel like there's so much. Oh, I remember what I was going to say. <laughs> I feel like, and I'm terrible for this. I'm still guilty of this, that especially when you're starting out, there's this tendency to think that, oh, if I get into drama school, everything's going to be fine. And then my career will take off. And then you graduate from drama school and you say, oh, all I need is an agent. And then everything's going to be fine. Oh, all I need is that first TV role. And then I'm going to feel satisfied. And no, now I just want, I just want five words. I just want five words on a show and then everything's going to be great. Uh, No, I, I just want to roll with two pages where I can do an accent. And, and there's, I feel like there's always something else and I'm terrible at it two, four, I don't know. I feel like the work just doesn't stop. No matter what level you're at uh-huh. in right. the industry, new problems arise. Uh-huh. You know, you'll you'll come to a place where you're like, oh, all I want is a co-star. And you're going to reach a point where you audition. And oh boy, then you got to decide between two jobs. <laughs> yeah. You can't yeah. do both. Yeah. And it's going to, it's going to rip your heart out. And then as you start leveling up in your career and you start doing guest stars and then your agents are saying, uh, 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 shouldn't do coast, no more co-stars. And then you're like, okay, no more, only guest stars. And then you, you level up some more and then they're like, uh, uh, no more one day guest stars. And you're like, Oh, okay. But I just want to work. There's always new problems. Right. Um, wherever you're at mm-hmm. i don't want to leave you on a problem <laughs> um, you said it you, you said yeah. it have fun i i love it i can't imagine i can't imagine doing anything else yeah um and i love it and if you love it do it there'll be people that'll tell you like if you could do anything else do that but if you love acting go go do acting i love that hell yeah hell yeah, yeah. again thank you so much and it's all about social media now so where can people follow you Oh, yeah. You can find me on, uh, I'm at Twitter uh, at Dominic Burgess. Yep. Uh-huh. And I'm at Dominic Burgess One on Instagram. There you go. You got to have that one. <laughs> and you can find lots of good cat content. <laughs> Fantastic. And of course, My everybody watch Dr. Death. Yes. I, I'm pretty sure everybody has this like the most popular show on Peacock right now. It's, it's like, pretty it's awesome. It's just like slamming. So, um, 
But yeah, just, I mean, again, thank you so much. You've been an absolute gen. Open invite. Anytime you want to just come back on and uh, talk Transformers, yeah, talk Star Trek. <laughs> you oh, know. man. Yeah. I, I, this is my Blu-ray. I'm a physical oh, media guy. Yeah. Um, this, I think there's a couple of, tra- hold on. I have to tilt my laptop. There's a couple of Transformers up there. There you oh, go. Yeah. yeah. That's not even scratching the surface. <laughs> there's a whole, oh, man. Yeah, we're all uh, about Funkos. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, well, that'd be fun. We're going to have to have you back on to do a top five or something, top five Transformers oh, movies dude, or whatever. Dude. That'll be awesome. So great. <laughs> so great. Listen, take care. Enjoy the rest of the night, and uh, we'll be talking to you soon, brother. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. Yep. Thank take you. care. See you later. Cheers. All right. Bye-bye. Man, he was an absolute pleasure. I mean, just this guy's a, a straight-up class act. I mean, I thought for sure. You hear so many times actors, they prepare by, oh, well, I'm going to interview the person. Yeah. Or, oh, I'm going to go hang out at the hospital around other paralyzed people or whatever. But the fact that this guy just, I don't feel comfortable. I don't want right. to bring that. What a class act. Yeah, man. seriously, especially with it being a true story and with there being so much of that stuff happening. So yeah. makes complete sense, man. It, honestly, just an amazing freaking interview yes up and comers are gonna love this one (laughs) thank you again dominic for coming on the show all right now it is time for our top five segment man and i mean we're bringing back the book club kind of kind of i mean we don't have our forever guests and our amazing guest autumn reeser and rebecca kennedy coming on but we're still going to talk about some of our favorite books yes and you might hear a few repeats but it's fine because you know they're still my favorite books exactly <laughs> exactly and this week it is top five non-fiction books mm. so it's very interesting man very interesting well number five for me i brought them all out and i mean this man has them all tucked there, away that's right look behind me you'll see them you'll all. see them uh number five for me is year of yes by shonda rhimes she is just not afraid to tell her story and anything and everything that she does like she will not back down from what she once was to what she is now like she used to be when the beginning of Grey's anatomy came around she was like popping um uh, oxycontin and like percocet all the time just to like get by with stress and everything like that and xanax but now like she is able to find peace in her life and able to move on to further things because you know i mean especially back in the day when Grey's anatomy first started being a young independent black woman who is basically taking over the industry i mean that's intimidating to a lot of white men so i mean she describes a lot of that. She describes talking to colleges about her journey and her path. But, I mean, she is just absolutely amazing. And, of course, everybody knows we love Shonda Land and Shonda herself. So that is why number five for me is Year of Yes by Shonda Rhimes. Yes. Yes. And, and you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting because normally with money and fame go the opposite spiral. But she was able to take herself out of that type stuff and and and, rec- and so that's awesome that's epic um my number five is not dead yet mm. by the legendary man himself phil collins oh my gosh if you guys have not read this yet it's a phenomenal biography which and by the way i love the title not dead yet because everybody for the longest time thought he was like dead because he he kind of like disappeared for a while and was not in the limelight and just kind of you know and he is 
a little little wobbly these days and kind of like, you know, a little frail these days. He's got a cane and sits on a stool when he's performing and stuff. But, hey, he's not dead yet. He's not. <laughs> and the read is phenomenal. I mean, it goes over basically this extraordinary life of coming up and then obviously being the drummer for the legendary Genesis and then becoming the lead singer when Peter Gabriel left of Genesis, the solo career, and just all the epicness that is being a rock star of Phil Collins, right? So... Uh, touches on the family and the, and the the highs and lows and the pros and cons of he was a good dad a bad dad good you know he he's not afraid to address it all and touch it all and um it's a brilliant read so if you guys are huge fans of Phil Collins like I am check it out not dead yet yes yes not dead yet uh, number four for me is actually one that I picked up while we were t- uh, going through New York City, scouting some studios and scouting some locations one time, probably about three years ago. We were uh, in the middle of some subway travel, and I saw this bad boy, How Successful People Think, in one of like the terminals. So I picked this <laughs> one up. Uh, John C. Maxwell just tells a whole bunch of like inspirational times in either his life or people around him that were able to overcome negative thinking and able to only think positive and to think about the future of themselves, their brand, their company, everything like that. So a lot of books that I like to read are like that, to keep me motivated, to keep me moving forward because you know we get comfortable a lot of times and I never want to be comfortable. I always want to keep learning, keep going, and keep moving forward because we have a lot of places to go. Yes. Yes. I think the rest of my list are books like that. The ones that inspire, the ones you say, this is how to do it. This is how you keep growing. This is how you keep getting there. Um, my number four, Call Me Ted by Ted Turner. Oh my God. This book was absolutely incredible. I mean, this man revolutionized entertainment as we know it. I mean, if you guys aren't familiar, I mean... Everything that we see nowadays, all the streamers, all the kinds of stuff, all stemmed from him, okay? Like, he created cable TV, which then became streamers, and, you know, and now cable's kind of dying. But he he basically started working for his dad's advertising company, which was Billboards, and then took it over, and then got into television stations, and then cable, and CNN, obviously, owned the Atlanta Braves. He's now owns the most land in the United States other than the government. He's like the largest landholder in the United States other than the government, which is insane. But um, his story and how he rose from just kind of like, you know, won the World Cup, uh, you know, sailing. He's an avid sailor. His relationship with Jane Fonda, just like there are so many things in this book that were so inspiring. And he was hit with challenge after challenge after challenge and people telling him, you can't do it. You'll never make it. That's not going to happen. And he fucked it all and said, yes, it will. And he did it. And that's the kind of shit I like to read too. It's like when you're consistently told you can't do that or you won't do that, it can never happen. And then you do it. Hell yeah. Ted Turner, man, just phenomenal read and so inspiring, man. Exactly. Completely agree. Completely agree. And with everything going on, you guys know we're super busy people. So that's why my number three is 
audience, which is all about social media. And I just <laughs> lost my place because this damn bookmark. Um, but yeah, it's all about social media and it's all about expanding your brand and trying to try different things on social media, whether things are working or not working, trying to revamp with the website, LinkedIn, Pinterest, like Google AdWords, like so much different stuff. You guys know right now it's only myself and Dustin for Crazy Ant Media. And like I said, we're doing a lot of different stuff. So we have to keep our mind fresh, especially in the wave of uh, social media. So, I mean, we just got to keep trying new things. And that's why you see new things from us every single week. It's because we just keep trying. And I mean, if we fall on our face, we love falling on our face because we learn what not to do. Okay. It's all about learning. It's all a process and we love the process. So that's why number three is audience for me. Yes. My number three plays off of that because of the dominance of social media right now and that 20 second attention span and it's in the blink, boom, 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 boom. My number three addresses that and it's the opposite of that. It's uh, Face to Face by Brian Grazer. You know him, Ron Howard's partner, Imagine Entertainment and everything. This book basically goes over the importance of not losing the value of face to face conversations with people and getting to know people and learn people and understand people by having that face to face connection. Put down the phone, put down the, t- the social media, put down the, and actually talk to people, get to learn people. And, um, it's a absolutely brilliant book about how he sets up these meetings to talk to people face to face, um, and how he reaches out to them and how they transpire. Um, and he also talks about missed opportunities that that he you know lost out on and other opportunities that he almost lost out on because he was not paying attention and was not giving that face to face. Ron Howard had to slap him around a couple times. Uh, <laughs> you know, oh, you want Opie to slap you around? Look up, bitch! Look up. Um, all kidding aside, it's a brilliant book and and really does stress the importance of every now and then you just got to disconnect and find that human connection again. So um, it's brilliant. I, I highly recommend it. Face to face, Brian Grazier. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Uh, my number two, uh, it was probably on our last book club. I'm not going to lie because <laughs> I absolutely love this book. And I mean, I'm still going back through it because, I mean, that's just how good it is. I enjoy it so much that you'd give things second reads. Um, is Tough Shit by Kevin Smith. All of y'all know that Kevin Smith is one of my favorite filmmakers out there to date. And this is just basically <laughs> about his rise as a filmmaker with everything, with family life, with the weight with Harvey Weinstein because that's where he got his shot is Weinstein companies and that's where he fucking rose to the top but then I mean he does not shy away from all that nasty bullshit Mm -hmm. that Harvey put him through so I appreciate all of that and I appreciate his realism that's why we love these autobiographies or biographies in general that we can read about these people that we look up to because a lot of them they're very real and they just give it how it is and how it was and they don't shy away from even their ugly selves and that's what I really appreciate it because nobody's perfect and I mean of course they're always going to be put up on a pedestal but they're also human beings so I love learning about the human side of the people we immortalize basically so that's why number two tough shit by Kevin Smith 
Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree with all of that. Um, my number two, you guys might not even like remember this. I don't know how old you are, how old you're not. I'm betting there's some out there that do, but as dominant as the mouse house is right now, right? You would never think that this was even possible, but not so very long ago in, in the early eighties guys, it was about to be broke up and sold off and not exist. Yeah, Disney almost ended. Um, And so my number two is The Disney Touch by Ron Grover. And this book brilliantly chronicles the resurgence of Disney to to the master kingdom uh, that basically dominates everything, right? It talks about the story about how um, that basically Michael Eisner and Frank Wells were brought in to save the Mouse House and that they had to do some drastic changes including start to make movies that weren't under the mouse brand right they created touchstone pictures and and started releasing rated r movies uh one prime pretty woman um movie about a prostitute um and the resurgence of um the the theme parks adding um merchandising with the opening of the disney stores and like all of the stuff that basically turned around Disney and elevated it to the next level. Um, it also talks greatly about um, the partnership between Frank Wells and, and Michael Eisner and how they were able to build Disney back up to, to where it needed to get. Um, it's an absolutely brilliant story about what it takes to, to get to the top and to do things, to be innovative and creative and think outside the box and ignore the status quo. That's why Disney still exists today because Eisner and at the point Frank Wells were brave enough to do that and the board took chances with them and they proved what can happen when you do that. Um, it's a brilliant book. The Yeah, The Disney Touch by Ron Grover. Uh, please check that out. If you're a Disney fanatic or a Disney fan or just a business fan, you're going to want to check that book out. Definitely, definitely. And I mean, speaking of business fan, um, my number one, I'm going through a huge Gary Vee phase right now. So I just ordered his book and it should be here Sunday, which is tomorrow. Um, it is called Crushing It by Gary Vee. This guy, super entrepreneur. This He like never fucking sleeps. I've listened to multiple of his podcasts just today. I've listened to two. Um, but this guy is absolutely phenomenal. He'll basically still go to yard sales pick something up for $5 and then go to a certain store, refurbish it and like sell it for like 50 to a hundred dollars. He loved that adrenaline rush of flipping stuff and that gratification of just being an entrepreneur and being on the street, connecting with people. But speaking of motivational speaker as well, he's not afraid to speak his mind. They told him back in 2010 or something like that that if he would just cuss a little less he would be much more popular (laughs) he was like but then i fucking wouldn't be me so now as you see the world has kind of adapted to that and the younger generation has kind of grown up a little bit more so now cussing is just a normal thing for like everybody and is just like in a boardroom meeting type shit so this guy always sticks to his guns believes what he does and i just feel it's very motivational for me it keeps me moving forward and like i said i just really appreciate what he's done and i mean he didn't start any of this shit until he was like 30 he didn't Mm -hmm. make any of these videos or anything until he was like 30 he started like he helped his family's wine business grow all the way from a two million dollar company to like a ten million dollar company and then just gave it all back and then started his own shit 
and just keeps moving forward, man. He never misses an opportunity to try to build on something great and help out the next generation and help out the younger people. And he's a prime example of it's never too late to do something. That's so, right. Yes, crushing it with Gary V. Be here tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> number one. Yes. Number one. Uh, okay, so my number one is a follow-up to my number two in the question, how do you keep the kingdom as the dominant force in Hollywood now that it's been rebuilt, right? Well, you do that by when the one guy is gone to bring in somebody who's also a visionary, who's also a leader, who also thinks outside the box. So my number one is The Ride of a Lifetime by Bob Iger. Um, In my opinion, the epitome of the individual of how to run a company, how to be a decent human being, how to treat people with respect while you're trying to build the empire, while you're trying to be the mastermind and the visionary. Um, The man is just, his approach to everything in life as well as the Disney company is unbelievable and phenomenal. And um, I don't even know, this guy is so inspired. I mean, he was almost overlooked because he had to like literally meet with the board of directors like four times to prove himself because they thought he was just an extension of Michael Eisner and that he was just going to carry on the Eisner ways. Now, remember, I just told you Eisner saved the company, rebuilt it from the ground up basically to an empire, right? But they didn't want that. What? So Iger had to prove himself. He had to go in there and say, guys, I am not Eisner. I I know I worked under Eisner. I agree with Eisner, but I am not Eisner. I'm my own man, my own visionary, and I'm going to do some stuff here that's going to change the world. And God damn it, he did. He came in there. He acquired Pixar. He acquired Star Wars. He acquired Marvel, and he changed the fucking world. I mean, this guy slayed it. Um... He was ahead of the game. He knew that streaming was coming. He knew that Netflix was posing a problem and that it was going to change the game for all of the entertainment studios and conglomerates and that they had to get on board. Um, he, he knew that. He knew network television was changing. He knew the importance of the theme park resurgence. This guy thinks outside of the box and, and, and is a true visionary for everything that he does. And he's proof positive that you can learn as you go, you grow, you never stop learning. And that's how you grow. He was not a creative. He was a suit from top to bottom, but he became a creative and look at the stuff that he's accomplished as a creative and as a leader that just goes to show. I think that's why this book inspires me so much because it shows never stop learning, never stop growing. Because if you think that you're there, you're done. And this guy is never done. He wakes up every morning at 4.15 and just hammers it out and never stops. He's getting ready to retire, but he's not stopping. I mean, the guy is just insane. Um, Ride of a lifetime. And I hope my ride can be as anywhere near close to that lifetime because it'd be fucking epic, man. Exactly. Exactly. It's my number one, Ride of a Lifetime. Yes. So what is your number one nonfiction book? We want to know. Be sure to let us know on social media or in the podcast comments or on the YouTube comment section. We love the fan interaction. It's all about staying engaged. It is. As my book audience tells me. (laughs) Um, Heading over to the box office recap number one this week was free guy again much apologies uh number two was don't breathe uh free guy brought in 28.4 million everybody thought it was going to be around like 23 ish but yeah. i mean it over projected or it over predicted or over performed performed 
That's the P word that I'm looking for. You had the three Ps though, and I it's did. fine. It's, um, it's good. Don't breathe came in at number two. I, I, I have not know what that is. I don't either. Is that um, like the Gwen Stefani? Don't no right. doubt song. Don't breathe. Uh, with ten point six million. Number three was Jungle Cruise with nine point one. Number four was Respect with eight point eight. Damn, only that much. I know. Um, and number. three... Five was the Suicide Squad with seven point five. Respect is really good. I'm just saying, everybody should go see it. Oh, definitely. Our boy Joshua McKell is in there, and he's just phenomenal. Um, the Suicide Squad following the trend, number one, and then drops drastically. So anybody who thinks that that was just a Black Widow thing, definitely not, because every number one movie that opened dropped significantly afterwards in the second week. So there you go. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just since, the trend. I mean, since theaters have been open, it's been like same day releases on either Disney Plus or Warner Media uh, or Warner Brothers HBO Max. Free Guy is the only one that has not had a simultaneous release date, so it's going to be very interesting to see what it's going to be at next week. Yeah, will it see that same drop? That it's true. That's going to be really interesting. Disney's first full theatrical release of the of the year. Yeah. So, mm, I, I don't know, know. right? Uh, new movies coming out. Reminiscence um uh, the Hugh Jackman one. Yes. I, I don't know about this one. I don't. I'm going to go see it, but I don't know about it yet. I'm just a huge fan of Hugh, so I'm going to see it. Yeah. Uh, Paw Patrol, the movie. I hear that one's doing pretty well. Yeah. Uh, the Night House and The Protégé. Mm, the Protégé with Michael Keaton. I cannot tell you fucking how happy I am to see Keaton everywhere. Right. The Protégé, dope sick. We know he's coming back in the flash, but putting the cowl back on. His resurgence makes me so happy. Exactly, exactly. Uh, movies you can still go see. Number uh, old, Black Widow, Stillwater, The Green Knight, Space Jam, New Legacy. And I mean, just a little tease, just a little tease. Next week, we're going to have the costume designer of Space Jam, A New Legacy on. Oh, that was a fun one. You guys are going to love that. Yeah, exactly. Designed the whole uniform and everything, guys. You're going to absolutely love The it. animated and the live action. Yeah. <laughs> That's so crazy. Now heading over to IMDb Pro Top Trending Segment. And oh man, oh man, it is Superhero Week. Now, the top trending movie is The Suicide Squad. The top trending show is What If. By the way, see, our episode two, in my opinion, was way better than episode one. I loved episode two <laughs> way more. I just feel like episode one was like kind of the same story. I mean, I get it. I understand. It's coming from comic books and shit like that. Sure. But I just feel like with episode two and T'Challa's storyline, especially bringing in Thanos, I just like that storyline was completely different in my opinion. So I enjoyed that one way more. Okay. Yeah. I loved them both, but fair enough. We know. We fair know. enough. Um, and Daniela Melatori. Uh, is the top trending star. Yeah, and does that name sound familiar to you or not sound familiar to you? Just how quick did I just do it? I looked it up. The name didn't sound familiar, but she's familiar. She's Ratcatcher 2 in Suicide Squad, and ah, she was so fucking good in that movie. She was good. See, I think she's going to become a household name now, right? That's one of those brilliant examples, like Feige was talking about, and James Gunn is classic at it too. Huge names. And no, nobody's, yep. like newcomers, right? And he's brilliant at it. She's going to be huge. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I, her character is honestly one of my favorites. Oh, me too. To be honest. <laughs> Man, we got to thank our guest one more time, Dominic Burgess, yes. for coming on the show, episode 171. For being our first on-cam guest. Yes, we Ooh. really appreciate it. Thank you for bearing with us. <laughs> um, be sure to follow him on social media. You guys know you can follow 
us, the company on social media, at Crazy Ant Media, and the podcast at ITCAP Podcast. You guys know you can follow us both personally on social media, myself, JLO Fantastic, and... At Crazy Ant Guy 1970. Yeah. And you guys know you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere you listen to your podcast. I'm talking Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, Podbean, Stitcher, and so much more. If you're watching this video on YouTube, be sure to hit the like button on the video, subscribe to the channel, and ring the bell for all the latest and greatest notifications coming out of Crazy Ant Media. And, of course, be sure to visit our website, www.crazyantmedia.com, where you can start rocking the latest and greatest Crazy Ant Media gear. Some great stuff is up there right now, especially some great family merch. Yes, and uh, uh, the deadlines, our our film page was updated. We've got some behind-the-scenes pics there and some new stuff with the crew and cast. Check that out. You guys are going to love that. It's a great website. It is. It is. Like we said, www.crazyantmedia.com. That's right. Man, I mean... It was a really good show. It really was. I mean, Marvel had a lot of good shit. I'm excited that Riri is finally going to be introduced, but still very, very, very curious on how they're going to use her character in the second Black Panther. Um, I'm excited that we're already talking about Captain America 4, Yes. which, I mean, Sam in the suit is just so badass. If you guys have not watched Falcon and the Winter Soldier, please do so, because the last episode is so damn good. Mm. But, I mean, just everything. Everything was great. I enjoyed it a lot. I know. This was a really fun show, and I know what you're expecting, what all of you are expecting. My favorite part of the show is, but I'm changing it. You're going to shit yourselves. Watch. It's, It's not all the Marvel stuff. It's not the Black Canary story, although that was awesome. It's Oprah saving all rise. <laughs> like that's my favorite part of the show. I'm so excited about that. I just really feel like shows like All Rise and For Life and and that subject matter and those stories need to be told. That representation needs to be seen. And if anybody knows that, it's Oprah. And so I was beyond thrilled to see that story and for us to be able to share that story with you guys and all the superhero stuff. And all the superheroes. stuff. And our awesome on-camera guests. <laughs> like, yes. Okay, there it is. That's right. We loved it, man. We loved it. <laughs> but you know, you guys know we love the one and only. Oprah! Oprah!